This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that has aged considerably watching Chelsea over the last month. Um, after the inept and lacklustre defeat to Newcastle last week, Chelsea and us very much needed a win to get us back on track and to stop the nappy shitting. 21 minutes in, Chelsea would tune up and cruising. Time for us to relax, right? Unfortunately, Chelsea, for some reason, also saw this as a reason to relax, took their foot off the gas, allowing Brighton back in as they got a goal back. Then on the stroke of half-time, Chelsea pressed the self-destruct button as Gallagher picked up a second yellow card and was sent for an early bath. Given Chelsea's indiscipline, the most yellow cards in the league, averaging 3.38 per game, confidence in holding out with 10 men against Brighton for the second half was not particularly high. But Chelsea marshalled well by Silva, defended well and were still capable of hitting an adventurous Brighton on the break as they did when Mudrick was taken out by boring James Milner. Inexplicably, Craig Pawson dismissed the penalty until he was sent to the monitor by VAR like a naughty schoolboy. When Brighton pulled a goal back two minutes into a 10-minute injury time, nerves around Stamford Bridge were collectively frayed, even more so when that idiot Pawson seemed to give a penalty to Brighton for the ball hitting Colwell in the face. Thankfully, he got hauled before the VAR monitor again, and we all breathed a sigh of relief. Now, Chelsea had shown some character, and we needed to see it, but they don't make it easy for you, do they? Chelsea Football Club, never a dull moment. And that is the title of the show tonight, which is uh, Chelsea Fancast number 1087. And uh, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, as you should all know by now. I've only been doing it for 15 years. Um, and normally I would say, and uh, it's time to welcome on board the, uh, I don't know, I'd find some appropriate or inappropriate adjective to describe him. But uh, 
Jonathan Keat is not here tonight. We have given the poor old boy a night off. He's doing, I think he's doing something Christmassy, actually. I can't remember what he said, but uh, saw him yesterday. And he's on good form, but he's not. He's got a night off. So instead of that, I shall welcome you to Mr. Dan Silver, who's on mute. There he's going. You, he knew, he knew. Uh, yeah, timing. I'm just finishing my dinner. <clears throat> yeah, it's good to be here. Big shoes to follow, Phil, with Jonathan Kidd. But we'll do our best. We'll soldier on. Don't feel compelled. Don't feel compelled to fill his his uh, shoes, Dan. So that means speaking short sentences. You know, no interrupting, and. Uh, I mean, I do like his jokes, so, I mean, but I don't think, I mean, you know, I know we're all quite funny, but we can't compete with Jonathan, so there we go. We can't. Well, good thing is I might get a chance to speak tonight as well, so it always helps. <laughs> Meow! I'll tell you what, if you want to do a Jonathan Kidd sub-in, uh, then you can introduce our guest. We have the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, the man who knows everything about Chelsea, the man, the legend, Mr. Mark Meehan. Thank you very much, Dan, for that kind kind invite. Yeah, no, Mr. Kid tonight. Um, short sentences, no interrupting. That sounds like our day at the Troubadour last night after the game, doesn't it? Well, you know what? I mean, actually, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. I, I thought you might, um, because yeah. I want I wanted to talk about that before we talked about the football, because uh, um, we had an absolute. And I'm sorry to say this, Dan, because I know Dan couldn't make it, but we had an absolute cracker, an absolute cracker of uh, an evening in the Troubadour where, well, I mean, as Mark was saying to me before we went on air, the day started not really, really very well when I had a phone call from Kerry as I'm driving up on the motorway say, Speedy can't get down because of the train strike. But I have to say, Kerry uh, was utterly brilliant and uh, he managed to uh, get a super sub in and he did. He got Tommy Langley in. So it was Kerry and Tommy and it was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, Jonathan was late. He, it took him ages to get from the ground, but his entrance was brilliant. He had, he he obviously didn't say anything because Kerry. I mean, Kerry was just on you know nuclear mode yesterday. He was he. I mean, he. I said to him, I said, if anything happens to Jonathan, mate, you will be the sub for Jonathan because you interrupt even more than he does. Tommy was brilliant, but anyway, Jonathan said nothing for about five ten minutes and then just found an opportunity to sneak in and just said, I think somebody had referenced. Nicholas Jackson, one of them, either Langley or, yep, or, that's or, right. or Kerry. Yep. And yep. Jonathan just kind of found his moment and just said, he's fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> he just absolutely stopped everything in his tracks. Dan, Dan. I was going to make a joke about David Speedy getting sent off. but <laughs> No, he couldn't get down because of the trains, because of the strikes, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really did for him, but there you go. But Mark, it was a cracking, cracking afternoon, wasn't it? One of the best we've oh, done, what? I think. Well, it, it's 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 a tricky one because every time we do this, we say that wow, that's the best one we've done, and that's a high bar we set, and no one's going to go go above that bar. And yeah, you're right. You had that sort of stress level yesterday morning when Kerry rang you, then you rang me, <laughs> and we had that we had that conversation. And you're thinking, I really I really don't need this on a Sunday morning. Uh, I'd had one drink too many on the Saturday night because I went to see the Almighty at Kentish Town. You always have that one pint you shouldn't have. And I'm thinking, how are we going to get ourselves out of this hole? And hats off to Kerry. He spoke to all the hospitality guys at Chelsea and he came back to you really quickly and said, we've got Tommy Langley. And, And the interesting thing, and I thought it was right that we should let people know, so we put the comms out, put the tweet out. I spoke to a number of people before the game and during the game and actually walking up to the Troubadour. And so many people said, well, actually, okay, Speedy's not coming, 
but wow, what a replacement in Tommy Langley. People were so pleased that we've got Tommy. Um, and the funny thing was, I'd actually seen Tommy Friday. I hadn't seen Tommy in ages, because obviously he spends, I think, part of his time over in Spain now. I think he lives half the year in Spain and half over here. And he's just got back into the club working on match day hospitality. And I, I told him about this thing we do on a Sunday. And he just said straight away, love it. I'll do it. Just let me know, Mark, when I'm in the country. And I said, we'll try and do it on a match day, Tommy. And then I, ironically, in no time afterwards, it's the, the same thing. So as soon as I saw him on Sunday, he goes, was this the thing you were talking to me about? I go, yeah, Tom, I'm so pleased you're here. But he was, he was just so, so good. It was great to have, and I know we're going to talk probably about Nicholas Jackson, because obviously they, they talked about Nicholas Jackson. But it was great to hear about number nines. And I think one really good example sort of, you know, Tommy gave was when he was playing for Chelsea, playing with Charlie Cook. And he talked about number nines and making runs and like how great it was to play with Charlie Cook. But Tommy would make the runs. And he said, Charlie Cook so good. He'd beat a man and Tommy would make the run to be in the position they'd rehearse on the training ground. And Charlie would go back and beat the man again. By the time Charlie Cook put the ball in, Tommy did a different run into a different position. And Charlie Cook was going, well, where the fuck were you? That's but the best thing he did, best thing he did yesterday was Chris Mears was there, Dan. So Chris Mears was he- heckling Tommy. I think he was heckling about going He was heckling PR. everybody. He was just talking as he always does all the way through. I told him to shut the fuck yeah. up at one stage. I know he told him to shut the fuck up at one stage. And he was heckling Tommy and Tommy just came back. And he just said to him, shut the fuck up. It was your dad that sold me a few years. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. Mears, was digging it. Mears was digging him out about playing for QPR. And, and uh, yeah, it was a great, great repost. No, I, I think... But big, 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 big thanks to Kerry. Kerry, yes. you know, Kerry saved the day yesterday. And I think feedback afterwards, people really enjoyed it. Yeah, and Kerry, yeah, well done, Kerry. And brilliant to have Tommy Langley there. He was fantastic. Thanks also to the Troubadour who uh, have shown us a lot of faith. Uh, and I think, if nothing else, yesterday proved that whenever there is a two o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, there will be a Chelsea fan cast presents live at the Troubadour afterwards because uh, it pretty much guarantees we have a full house and it's so much better what we do. So brilliant. Dan? Yeah, well, it's new Sky deal. We're going to have about 20 Sunday matches the way things are going at the moment. So you might have to really, you know, dig out the uh, the dross. Yeah, I might. I might when, I, yeah. yeah. When does it start, Dan? Is it is it season after next? Twenty five six. Season after next. Season after next. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so every, every Sunday, two o'clock games now going to be on TV because we weren't on yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So the Troubadour. Troubadour twenty five. o'clock on Sunday. Those season. sort of games. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. I might have made a rod for my own back there, but uh, on. Most times when we have a Sunday 2 o'clock kickoff, there will be a Chelsea fancast live at the Troubadour. Now, talking of thanks, I should also very quickly say uh, thanks and well done to Dino uh, for manning the good ship Chelsea fancast last Friday. Actually, the rarest of things, uh, I actually listened to a Chelsea fancast and I listened to it on the way up in the car uh, to the game on Sunday and it was a jolly good show. Well done, everybody. Uh, but particularly Dean, because he, he did all the hard work, you know, preparing the show and, and putting it up. So cheers, mate. Right. Uh, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live every Monday and Friday at 7.30pm by going to Mixler, which is chelsea-fancast.mixler.com. And uh, you, if you do so, you can join in the chat. There's a brilliant chat room on there. Loads of great people that go in there uh and uh, chat with each other and lob us a few questions occasionally it's great fun uh so i commend that to you now you can also uh you also get the premium content of the mad shit that we say when we're kind of slash off air but uh 
maybe I shouldn't be the best judge of that anyway you can also follow us on all the socials at Chelsea Fancast listen and subscribe on Acast Spotify and Apple and all good podcast platforms and make sure of course if you do you leave us a wonderfully lovely sexy Rude Hullet style five star review now, um, you might, you meant, I mentioned Mixler just then, obviously, but uh, we also have something else called Discord, which is like Mixler 24-7. So it's like, I mean, all the kids know what Discord is. I don't really know how to explain it. It's a bit like Twitter slash WhatsApp, uh, but it's private. Uh, and uh, and there's a, a, there is a way you can join this, which might, you might think is a bit cheeky, but there you go. We also have a Patreon uh, account slash website, which, of course, basically means you... You lob us a few quid every month. Um, and uh, if you do do that, and I mean, there is no pressure. I love everybody equally, whether you do or you don't. I'm just chuffed that people like and listen to the show. But if you do want to, if you want to support us that way, uh, number one, you will get a, or you will, if you want one, you can have a Kerry Dixon mini banner, a replica of the one that hangs up on the Matthew Hardigan. And you automatically, well, when I say you automatically join our Discord group, you don't, by the way, because somebody joined uh, this weekend and said, where's my Discord link, Chidge? And the thing is, you have to ask me, or I have to notice that you've signed up, because I managed to fuck up the link between Patreon and Discord many years ago. So if you went to somebody clever like London is Post, what will happen is it will happen automatically. We're not that clever at the Chelsea Fancast, so basically I have to notice that you've joined up and send you the link, uh, or you have to ask me. So there you go. So apologies for me being technologically an idiot. Um, now, the Patreon address to sign up is patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There you go. Right, we'll be back after this very short break to talk about the Chelsea versus Brighton lunacy. Yes, um, blimey! I mean, by the time the match kicked, I had I didn't I didn't even have a beer because I was at the I was at the mental health hub for an hour, a couple of hours before the match, which was uh, really good to meet the foundation people and the people from Mind there. Uh, it's a work in progress. There's some improvements we can make, but I was quite happy. So uh, I actually got into the ground quite early for me, which is uh, unusual to say the least, uh, and sober. So also unusual to say the least. So, um, but I have to say, uh, Dan, I thought it was a good start. Uh, you know, I thought we started quite well, which is encouraging. Um, two nil up after twenty one minutes. Uh, Enzo scoring a header. What's that all about? Uh, Colwell scoring a goal. They were cruising. It was all lovely. Um, and then uh, it went. We went to sleep, as I said. But we'll talk more about the what happened after we went to sleep. But it was a good start, wasn't it? Actually, and I think after the Newcastle game, it's kind of what we needed, wasn't it? Yeah, I think first five six minutes we were a bit cagey. Then we kind of just suddenly kicked on and scored two goals. Baddy Shields' little overhead kick for the assist was beautiful. Looked in complete control, played some decent football. I thought Sterling had a couple of good chances. That that run and turn for Midrich at some point, I think that was 2-0, gave me that hazard vibes. We just turned, ran, just went wide. No really, really positive start. You know, the four centre-backs at the back. They looked really well. Then obviously Chelsea being Chelsea, 
brain fart central for the last 15 minutes a second the first half i mean this is what what i don't understand mark you know why why is it i mean you know obviously brighton scored um about 10 minutes after we got our second didn't they and uh but we 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 had already by that stage i mean you know after we went to two nil up we i don't know what it is they just seem to I mean, it looks like to us that they they go to sleep, but it's it is it a losing of focus? I mean, why do they? Why do they? Why does this happen all the time, Mark? I, I, I don't know. It's hard to put the finger on it because, as, as you say, as Dan said, we we slow, slow start. We we then got in the gear. I think the atmosphere again, early kickoffs. It was a Sunday. It was a bit slow in the ground. Atmosphere wise, there wasn't much noise. But if you looked on paper. Yeah, thinking about the team, other than sort of Palmer making way for Mudrick, that was probably the team most people would have picked. You'd have to be confident going into this game, even though it's Brighton and they've got a bit of a thing over us, because Brighton do come out and play football, and they did come out from the start. Brighton started well, and they came out and played football. So there's no, you know, no 10 men behind the ball. There's no bus being parked with Brighton. So they're a a football team. Also, because Brighton had the game in Athens during the week, they left some of their key players on the bench, and we can talk about them later when they bring the big guns on. So it was perfectly set up you know, for a good start to be made. We got into gear really quickly. And then just this inexplicable thing that we did, we just, you know, we lost concentration. We, we, we stopped doing what, what we, we were doing. doing. Yeah, exactly that. And what we were doing. And, 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 but also I think as well, I, I, I can't remember at what point, because we've always had this debate between the interactions between, it's a bit chicken and egg when we talk about atmosphere, between what comes first, the crowd making the atmosphere or the team making the atmosphere that gets the crowd going by something happening on the pitch. And we made a good start. Yeah, it worked the crowd up. There was a bit of noise. At what point did Sanchez do that weird thing when he nearly let one in? And then people started getting a bit uneasy. <laughs> um, I don't know, Dan. That, uh, what, it was yeah. first half for the bow. It was first half. He's up with Matthew Harding again, so I think it was pretty, yeah. maybe half an hour in. We're like, what yeah. is he doing? And that well, we, little period where they're like passing out and Brighton massively pressing us, we managed to get out of it. But it's like, fucking hell, it gives you the EBGBs when yeah. they do that. You're like, fucking hell, get but, rid but, of that I, fucking ball. I see, I, I, I'd like to watch the game back and see at that point because you know, you know, we had a period where they went to sleep, the crowd went to sleep. You know, no, I think, uh, I think the had, crowd was already asleep. No, no, because again, it was a slow start. I think there wasn't much atmosphere at the start. Then we got two goals. Um, so for that short period after we scored, the crowd went up and singing. Then it went quiet again. And I, I got a WhatsApp message from someone I know. And they basically said, we're tuning it up, but yet it's really quiet. So whether that is that whole chicken and egg thing, whether the players noticed that and they go to sleep because we went to sleep, because it was just, it was just, we were in a pole position. We're tuning up. And you would think on that because Brighton had a weaker team out we could build on that and we just had that mad moment where we fell asleep and then we had the situation where Connor put, put in the, the self-destruct button in as well, well and getting, I, I, I wonder card. I wonder if 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 this is part of the, the same issue because you know this does happen a lot with the falling asleep when they're on top and I, I think it's focus and I think it's they, they they don't concentrate because they do make stupid errors. I mean, the thing with Sanchez you're talking about was a case in point. And actually, you know, Connor was in the position. I mean, I, I don't know what you boys think. I'll ask you in a minute. But I think it was it was definitely, I mean, whether it was a yellow card is a moot point. But it was definitely a foul. 
And the reason he fouled him was because we had been shocking getting the ball out of defence. So it had been error-ridden there. Now, I mean, OK, on the one hand, you've got focus, uh, lack of concentration. I think you can put that down to a lot of young, inexperienced players. Uh, but you've also got this indiscipline. I mean, I said in the introduction that we've got more yellow cards than any other team in the Premier League, uh, Dan. I mean, is indiscipline down to youth as well? I mean, what's going on here, mate? It's mad. I mean, Conor Gallagher's got over 100 games under his belt. It was utterly, utterly stupid. You did not make a tackle like that on a yellow card to give the referee the opportunity. Whether it was a yellow card or not, I don't know. But you don't go to ground. You make a tackle in the middle of the fucking pitch. Everyone's going nowhere. You do not make that tackle. It's impetuous. It's stupid. And you can't put down to inexperience. He's had yeah, he's a full season at Crystal playing, Palace, alone at West Brom. You don't give the referee a decision to make, particularly no, a twat like Paulson. That's what exactly what he yeah, did, wasn't I mean, it? The minute Gallagher went to ground and made foul, you could see Paulson having his cards out before he even got to Conor Gallagher. It was utterly stupid. The discipline is... The thing is, Poch clearly do so much. When these players go onto the pitch, he can't do anything about it. He can't tell them not to tackle. So it's down to, you know, stupidity. I mean, you've got Thiago Silva 30 like the bat, but he, again, you can't control individual prats, for a better phrase. I mean, you know... Tactical fouls is fine, but stupid fouls is on a yellow card, like he did against Leicester last year. You know, when he got two yellow cards in the first half and got sent off, he's got to learn not to be so stupid. I mean, there's arguably could have got a red for the, the first tackle. He's got to learn to stay on his feet. The, the um, would have been the right back, so uh, Desarzi could have come across and covered. He didn't make didn't need to make the tackle. His decision making across the team is really poor, really weak, and that's the biggest falling. Like, we'll come to Jackson later, but his decision-making shit. Connor's decision-making is not great. We need to get that consistency, good decision-making, and that kind of coaching in time. Not yeah. idiots on the pitch making silly tackles. No, I, I, I agree with you. It was rash, you know, and, and he's got to learn because it, it potentially puts us in the pickle. I'm trying to think, Mark, about when, when the atmosphere... It, the atmosphere... Something happened before that. because I, I know something got my goat, shall we say, and I know that because I, I stood up, swore prof- profusely, and then got the back, you know the seat, the bit where you sit down, the tip-up seats. I, I have this habit when I'm, because obviously I don't want to hit anybody, you know, that would be a bit, you know, unpleasant. But I get the, I get my seat and I slam it, so it kind of goes, you know, you know you know what I'm saying. And somebody remarked on that, that was, they were, they were, they, I heard a remark behind me, they were a bit surprised about my demeanour, but something really <laughs> fucked me off. And it was before Connor gets, got sent off, so it was some, some other stupid thing that either one of our players had done or Paulson. I can't remember though, sorry. No, it, it could be Paulson, it could have been when we let Brighton back into the game, when their, their guy cut in and put it in the corner of the goal. It could have, could have been Connor's um, second yellow card. Yeah, I, I would say about Connor, naive on his part, um, I think the first one, it, it's just really tricky because that first tackle he did, <laughs> years ago you'd have got away with that because that's almost like an early tackle at the part of the game. Yeah, you let your opponent know you're there. But in, in this modern game with referees, you, you don't get away with it. And then once you're on the yellow, he was just asking for it. And I think the, pro- the problem is I'm not going to really dig Connor out too much because that is part of his game, that aggression side and getting stuck in. And the strange thing is when Connor does those tackles, and he wins the ball, you know, or, or sometimes he might get, but he wins the ball. That has an impact on atmosphere. And there's been many times this season where Connor's done something like that that's livened the crowd up. I'm not, not sure saying he tackled the live crowd up. No, you know, he shouldn't have made that tackle because there was no danger there. Billy Gilmore's in the centre of the pitch. Very, very, very naive thing to do. Um, 
so that might be the thing that got you off your seat. Or just Paulson, because I think Paulson just had a poor game throughout the game. I thought it was quite funny. We we jumped on and chewed Marco and I up to the Troubadour. And there was Brighton fans on our train sort of singing about Paulson and the Premier League being corrupt and bent, etc. So as bad as we thought he was, they thought he, he, he was even worse. But I'm trying to remember what point then that got the crowd back on side again. I think it might have been the start of the second half. Yeah. I don't know. We I had to get behind. We had to support I mean, the team. I, I was already, I was already getting wound up before he got sent off. That's that's kind of the the, the point I'm making. But, um, you know, obviously, uh, second half. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're now we're now down to ten men, which wasn't wasn't going to be good. Um, well, I mean, actually, down to nine men if you include Jackson. But uh, weirdly, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna retract that in a minute. I'm gonna retract that in a minute. Yeah, okay. But All it's right. a good joke, right. and never let the truth yeah. get in the way of a good joke. Um, we we just mentioned Paulson, Dan. Um, I mean, I had I had a really good view of it from where I am. I, in fact, Mark would have had a good view of it too, or possibly I would have had a better. Well, you're in the lower, aren't you, in the Matthew Harding? I'm in the, I'm in the lower. I had a very good view of so it. So, Mark yep. and I have got this one covered. But um, I I I actually, to be really honest with you, first look, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure it was a pen. I'll be very honest with you. I wasn't sure it was a pen. But it was quite mad, wasn't it? Because, I mean, obviously, Paulson just waves it away immediately and then he gets hauled up by VAR. Having seen having seen the, the, the replays of it when I got home, definitely a penalty for me. He just he deliberately took him out. So that was a, a no-brainer. So what a fucking prick Paulson is. Great pen by Enzo, though. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Milner's a cynical player. He's got the experience. That's That's 21 years of Premier League football. I was in the West Low. I thought penalty straight away. So there's no way Mudrich goes down when he's about to shoot because he was clear. So straight nailed on pen. But I, then you got the VAR's a whole other show, a whole other debate. It needs to got it, put it away beautifully, and that kind of gives that breathing space. I think you know because Brighton, for the possession they had until they brought Matoma on, they weren't really a great threat. And since Matoma came on, they looked much more dangerous going down their left. And then obviously they had to bring on Matson to to protect, which is great. Gameplay yeah. by Pochettino, but I, I said that I wasn't Brighton. Well, didn't really worry us. I mean, I know he had a couple of saves at the end, Sanchez. Other than that, we fairly controlled that game. No, I, I agree. I was defending mean, well. You know, I thought we'd. I thought we'd. Um, I thought we. I mean, I think. I think actually, you know, I thought we defended really, really well all second half. I thought it was fascinating to watch it because. You know, for me, it was it was such an interesting contrast to that twat and big Ange at Spurs, who decided it was a good idea, let alone you know uh, playing with ten men, but nine men and having them all on the halfway line. And uh, I thought what Poch did was bang on. I, mean, I was interested in the fact that he, he he made no substitutions until quite late on in the game. But what he did do is he kind of went. It was changing, wasn't it? He was like four four one and five three one, depending on 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 what was going on on the pitch. But it, but it. I mean, they were really disciplined. It was they. It worked really, really well. I thought. I thought Silver was absolutely superb, superb organizing them all, yeah. and he brought a calmness to it. And and you mentioned Sanchez, Dan. I thought Sanchez made some absolutely brilliant saves in the second half. Yeah. Kept us in it. Couple of saves towards the end. That one when he was stretching down to his right. Made a good save. See, I think Brighton made four subs quite early on in the second half. They bottled on the cavalry, so to speak. I think Poch gave it 10 minutes. He saw Matome was, you know, causing trouble. And he reacted in the game, which you wouldn't imagine to react in the game. He did. And, he, you know, Matome was a great player, so he didn't nullify him. He certainly made it a lot more hard for Matome to have any impact in the game. Sanchez made a couple of saves, came to some corners, kept the ball, bit of shithousery diving down, taking his time with the Brighton fans counting. Oh, well done for counting. Great. 
balls, you know, it's not a dead ball. He can take as long as he wants with it. So like, I just thought it was it was a really solid, well set up performance. You know, we got four big lumps across the back four. who's going to head most things out. Really solid. They got well protected by you know the the midfield four who, who were left. And I thought it was, it was a really it was a good performance. A little bit nervy with the injury time well, that goal I was from gonna, Pedro I, at the I, end. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't know how you both felt, but Mark, I mean. Even though we were defending well, I, I, I get the wobbles when, when we just decide to, you know, part the bus and let people come onto us. Because I thought Brighton are good. And what they were doing very well is they were putting balls through the lines quite effectively. And there was a sense to me that a goal was coming. And uh, on 92 minutes, Pedro, uh, guess what? He scored a header from a corner because nobody picked him up. And he's a short ass. How the hell did he get above Colwell and everybody? I mean, it, that, that pissed that, me off. That, that, that 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 was sort of you. You almost thought, oh, here we go, because it just sort of think you got the game won at three one. Where the, well, it wasn't ten minutes extra time, but ten minutes, fourteen minutes of extra time in the end, with all the shenanigans that went where, on. Where, did that, where the said, fuck did that ten minutes where did come, it come from? from? Because, because as Dan as Dan said, they made four substitutions pretty much at the start of the second half, all in one go. So they didn't do sort of four substitutions, no. you know, spread out over three occasions. So they made all their play at once. So that's a shorter substitution period of time. And we we made three subs. Four, four minutes there for the penalty. Four minutes for the penalty. Yeah, but that's what I mean. The four minutes for the penalty was after he'd already given 10 minutes. So that's where you're 14. But the, where did the 10 no, no, minutes No, 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 no. Mudrick, Mudrick's, pen, Mudrick's penalty was in the second oh, half. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mudrick's penalty. Sorry, yeah. But even then, six minutes for the substitutions. Yeah, I thought they were a relatively quick turnaround. It was, it was, it was a soft goal that gave way. And that comes back. It then creates a level of nervousness with the crowd as well, yeah. and uh, people are then sort of like hang, hanging on for the, fi- the final whistle. I think things I would say um, in terms of the, the four at the back, you've got two centre half playing out of position. Colwell's not a left back, but he did well. You know, we haven't mentioned yet he got his first goal, so well done to him. Special mention for Dizarzi. I know some people nickname him Disaster, but no, he's not a disaster to me. I thought he had a fine game. He won his headers, which I thought was quite strange. Bearing in mind we've got sort of big blokes at the back who are in the end. Brighton did put a lot of high balls yeah, up there. So Desarge, I think, won most of his headers. He won most of his tackles and interceptions. So I thought for, for a player who's not a right back, I thought he did a solid job on the right. I think the thing I'd say um, about Sanchez, um, was it from Gross, that save he made? Yeah. Where it was low down and caught. Really, really good save. And I thought if... Enzo wasn't man of the match yesterday. If you take his kicking out of the game, I would have said I'd Sanchez. Like, I'd would have like to him. take his kicking out of the game, mate. Because he saves, he made some very good saves yesterday. What I like about Sanchez is he's confident coming out and catching the ball. He's a good shot stopper. If only he could kick a ball, he'd be not a bad goalkeeper. I don't think he's he a bad goalkeeper. Creates- no, 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 I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper, but I think he could be a very good goalkeeper if he could kick the ball. That one he put into the crowd. But again, that, that, no, that was awful. Tension the awful. That was awful. So he makes people nervous. So if he's making the crowd nervous, he must make his teammates nervous. Because, and I, I, I know I've said this on, on before, and I know it is the fashion, and you know, all the stats merchants will have a field day debate about how playing football from the back is. Man City do it and do it well, you know, because of the goalkeeper they've got. And I've sort of said it. If you haven't got a goalkeeper who can play it out from the back, vary it. Yeah, do vary it. Yeah, put it high up up, up to Jackson. Um, do something different. We are prone to a mistake playing a lot of that football at the back. 
you know, with the goalkeeper we've got. You've got to be confident in your keeper. And some of the things he does make people uneasy. But as I said, that's harsh because I thought some of the saves he made were the difference between us winning the game and sort of a point. And then, and then the other thing to say, I wanted to come back about Jackson as well. I thought Jackson did the right things yesterday, which is he held the ball up well because at times he was up there on, on, his, on his own. His touches were good. He set up one of the goals, if I remember right. I think well, he was, was his flick back for Colwell's goal because it was Thaddeus right. Shields yeah, for, for Enna's goal. And it was his yeah. touch. Again, credit Sanchez. Sanchez started the move for the penalty. He distributed the ball really quickly. Jackson flicked on really quickly to Mudrick and Mudrick sped through. And obviously, I thought it was a penalty from where I was sitting. And Milner, did he get a card? He should have done. I'm not sure he probably, he probably yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He got a card. Um, but he did. He got, he got a card. So again, that's that's a good part about Jackson. You know, those little things like, yeah, he led the line on his own well. That big bloke he was marking him was kicking lumps out. So he took a lot of punishment yesterday. But the two things it does that, and you know, I can see <laughs> point Jay came in, where he frustrates people is again in front of goal. His finishing could be a lot better. But also, when he lays it off first time, that's his positive. The example, laying it off to Mudrick. He often takes one touch too many, and then he loses possession. The number of times he lost possession yesterday, either trying to take a man on or taking too many touches. And that's why it also contributes to people getting on his back. Because, you know, there are good parts of Jackson. He's still learning. But the fundamental part about him, he's a striker that still, you know, doesn't get in the box, you know, at the right time. And that's why, as I said at the start, it's He's not a striker, Mark. He's not a striker. No. Well, he played at Villarreal as a striker. But that's why I think, it, you know, where JK did come back yesterday with the right point. I think you, the jury will be out on Jackson until Nkuku is in the side because yeah, obviously yeah. they did play really well together in, in pre-season. And he's up there on on his own and he probably does need someone more clo- closer to him. Because he's doing a lot of that legwork in the air and that point that Tommy was making about the runs he made as a striker. And there was a couple of things that Mudrick did yesterday where he was putting balls in, and Jackson wasn't where probably Midget thought he might be. And that's the thing, getting into the box, being in the right right position. So I'm not going to really dig him out too much because you know, he played his part in us winning the game with you know, with two crucial assists. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I think Jackson's very raw. I mean, there's, there is some, some yes. ability yes. there, but he just, he, just, yeah. he, he just needs to learn the game. He's got no, he hasn't particularly got a great football intelligence with him. The other thing I meant to say, you must say the second half, when he went away, the referee pulled it back because he looked like he fouled the Brighton centre-back who's getting clear on goal. I thought it, it looked a really soft foul. Do you remember that? About yeah. 75 minutes? Was it a foul yeah, or not? I, I couldn't work out. No, no. But again, that, that did he come in for dunk? It, it was the Dutch, the Dutch defender at the back. Yeah, because Jackson yeah, seemed yeah. to turn him fairly and he got away. Yeah. The defender went down like he'd been shot and they, the linesman started waving his flag. I thought from where I was sitting, it was a really just a 50-50 physical challenge. Yeah. And he went I'm away and he obviously... I mean, this is Pawson again, isn't it? And, I mean, it's a good good uh, bit of uh, segueing here because uh, would somebody like to try and explain to me what the fuck was going on? I mean, I, I, I mean, whilst I had a very good view of the Mudrick penalty, which, as I said, my instincts were, I don't think it was, but... I mean, when when uh, when it hit Colwell, I actually thought it hit him in the back, but I didn't think he'd handballed it. And, and of course, we've got no idea what's going on because we're at the wrong end. Yeah. But uh, it looked to me like he had awarded a penalty, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any Brighton players appealed. For me, it just looked like it smacked Colwell and went out for a for corner. 
And what I don't get is VAR could have told him it's not a penalty. Boom. But he had to go to the screen to overturn his decision. What is? I just don't get it. It's clear and obvious. Hit his head. Why has he got to go to VAR? Why could they not tell within about a minute, 30 seconds, smacked him on the head? And then, of course, the drop ball. And we go down the, other end, the points to one. I, the, the, I drop, just, the drop ball was correct, ludicrous. by the way. The drop ball decision yeah, no, that was, was correct. correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was correct. So, yeah. But in, ter- in terms of VAR, they could have said within 30 seconds, I was hit his head, drop ball. Just, just ludicrous. I mean, he was good 20 yards behind play, so he couldn't be shown anyway. I mean, I think Cole's arms were down by his side anyway. I, I just, these referees, I mean, he's like a Geordie referee. He's porcelain. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Mark, what do you reckon, mate? I, I didn't have a clue what was going at the end there. I, I didn't know how he, you know, we're going, has, you know, has he given a penalty? Has he not? It wasn't until I got back to the Troubadour that I, I sort of found found out that actually it was VAR that saved. Well, VAR did save a penalty, but I, I thought VAR was directed to go over, and he hadn't actually given the penalty at that point. And VAR were whispering his ear, "Well, you need to go and have a look because we're at we're at the other end." Like always, people, you know, if they're watching it on the legal stream, not watching it on TV, would know more about it than actually some of us in the ground. And also there's that chaos as well. Happened many times yesterday. And if Paulson, I know he booked a lot of players, sometimes for the wrong thing. If he'd been better yesterday, he'd have booked a lot more Brighton players because every time there was an incident surrounded by Brighton players on the two VAR incidents, each time he went over to the monitor, Brighton players came over and then the lines moves across. Card them. And, you know, he might have his back to them, but that's the linesman's job then. So actually, players were coming over. They were breaching the rules of the game. Just get yellow yellow cards out and, you know, and, and book them, which which he didn't do. But obviously, we didn't know what was going on. Well, I didn't know what was going on until I found it in the pub. But then I looked. Who was on VAR yesterday? Uh, Jared Gillett. Yeah. Gillett. Yes. And we have talked about Jared Gillett on yeah, a number of Getting cases. it wrong all the time. Who, no, 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 no. That's the thing. We he got it right. Yes, he got it right yesterday. I mean, VAR well, not just, corrected not, not just the poor yesterday. decisions that that Paulson made. Not not just yesterday as well. This is the you know he must be Mr. VAR at Stamford Bridge. This is the third home league game in a row that Jared Gillette has been on VAR. The Arsenal game, he awarded us a penalty. Remember when Kavanagh, Mr. Handball. So as yep. bad as he was, as bad as he was earlier in the season when he refereed the Villa game, so maybe he's better at VAR than being an actual referee. Mm. He was appalling in the Villa game because he sent off Cucurella unfairly. And the Villa game was he, he didn't play enough time. So he might not be a good referee, but he might be a good VAR referee because actually the Arsenal game, um, he awarded us a penalty. And I think in the Man City game, he made the mistake with the Cucurella penalty but he confirmed the penalty that Palmer converted at the end. So he's got one wrong for us in VAR, but he's got three right for us in VAR. So his credit on the VAR bank is much better than his credit in the ref- the refereeing mm. bank. So when we were dissing him after the Villa game, who know, like a couple of months later, oh, that Gillette would actually um, be the best a man could get. Yeah, very good, Mark. You were teeing oh, you yourself up. Line. You were teeing yourself up for <laughs> that one, weren't you? You took my line, Mark. You uh, took my line. They're all lined up. Uh, Paulson dished out. Paulson dished out ten yellow cards yesterday. So there you go. Was it ten? Yeah. Wow. Five, five on each side. Five on each side. So that that would be, I suspect, it's five yellow cards plus. I I don't know if they kind of like 
add the red on or if it's like three bookings plus two for Connor. I don't know. But it says on the stats I've got, it says five five yellow cards each. But there you go. Dan. No, I was going to say he took my joke about... Oh, is that it? Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Oh, mate. I, I, and also, go back to what I said, because the bloody jet, the Brighton goalkeeper all left this penalty box to the... Uh, the VAR machine, as as uh, Mark alluded to, no, nothing was done. I know. I just, I don't VAR. I mean, I hate, I hate it. I know, I know. Our friend um, Sid loves it, but I just, just kills the game. Well, for me. I, I, Slowly, I mean, surely, it, it's, it, the game. it's an interesting point we're making, isn't it? Because today we're sitting here talking about it, and had it, had we not had uh, uh, VAR intervening to overturn some fucking appalling refereeing decisions. We wouldn't have had the penalty, so it would have been 2-1. And then Brighton uh, would have scored with Pedro. And if they'd have got the penalty in the last minute, they'd have won 3-2. So, yeah, it's, it's for me, it's not the actual tech. It's the people doing it. I've got no issue with VAR because it oh, won't no, no. well on the European countries. Absolutely. It's absolute incompetent. And I Absolutely. keep saying this, you've got a multi-billion pound industry, the Premier League, yeah. and their major stakeholders are not fit for purpose. They yeah. are appalling. Yeah. You, you know, it's like it's like... Go to Harrods with the McDonald's. It's just it's ridiculous. Well, you know, it, just, if, uh, if you look at the standard of the referees and you realise that all the people in the VAR are also referees, it's not rocket science why it's a pile of shit. But I agree with you. The technology is OK. It's just the application of it. Right. We're going to have a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to carry on uh, talking about the Chelsea-Brighton game. And by the way, in part three, we're going to look ahead to uh, Wednesday night's Man United game as well. So don't go anywhere. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates, follow online commentary, listen to the radio. Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, I am joined tonight not by Jonathan Kidd, but by Dan Silver. Good evening. And uh, um, I'm also joined by the absolutely brilliant uh, Mark Meehan, who, who I should say, Mark Mark was uh, 
we were talking uh, in part one, weren't we, about the, the Troubadour gig with Kerry Dixon and Tommy Langley. And Mark has been brilliant with these for the last few months. He's been a massive help to me getting these off the ground and trying to get people to do them. But he was also brilliant yesterday because he was Mickey Microphone yesterday. And it was a full house, and they were all in a. They were. They were. I mean, it's interesting actually because they did dry up in the end, didn't they? When I kind of brought it to a halt, um, they like, they had run out of questions. But up till then, it was like you were on the go all the time, mate. There, there were some good questions, and I think the other thing about yesterday, a lot of new people there, which is really good, and the new people that came along really, really enjoyed themselves. I just felt I had to throw a few questions in for Tommy because otherwise he wouldn't get a word in edgeways with Kerry. <laughs> I know. I don't think he minded, but we, we did get a few. No, I no, mean, no, no, Smith, Smithy did a lovely, lovely question to him in the end, didn't he? About uh, yeah, um, it was the Liverpool match, wasn't it? Four two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there we go. Right. Um, carrying on with the old Brighton chat. Um, <clears throat> just a bit more of a, a kind of reflective overview of it, really. But um, I thought I thought it was a massive win, really. I mean, we. we I mean, I was near on Friday, but had I been on on Friday, I'd have been saying. After that debacle against Newcastle, we really need to win, not least to stop all the nappy shitting that went on afterwards. I mean, we lost to Newcastle, and then suddenly we, everything was awful. Potts should be sacked. It was all going mental. Okay, admittedly on Twitter, but you know, it 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 it, it really did upset a lot of people. I think so. We needed a win to kind of get us back on track again, actually. But <clears throat> I was going to say, I think I said this to Mark actually um, when I saw him at the Troubadour. I said. Well, we have become a very entertaining side for the neutral. Uh, but I think for a supporter, it's frustrating, nail-biting, and it takes a toll on your ticker and it ages you. Uh, I mean, where, what do you think, Mark? I mean, it, it is entertaining. We've, we've become... I mean, I, I said the other week, it's like going back to the 90s. And in a funny old sense, it, it is kind of, you know, pre, pre-Hullet slash Viali days. You know, Hoddle, Hoddle era Chelsea... You know, we can we can whoop somebody one week and lose to somebody the next week. We can play well against the decent sides and get beaten by the shit sides. It is the nineties again. Chelsea are back. Mm. We've got our Chelsea Chelsea back. Um, yes, and but we've said this many times this season. I think this is what this season is going to be like. There'll there'll be games where people are going to lose it because we either play badly or we lose against a team we shouldn't lose against. And there'll be days like yesterday where not only do we win, but we win in a manner where people leave the ground really, really happy. And I think you had to, you know, you can't enjoy it at the time, but you had to enjoy yesterday at the end of it. Just the man of the victory. And again, as bad as VAR can be, when VAR goes in your favour in the manner that it did yesterday, in the last minute of the game, quite rightly, and you win the game on the back of that, that feeling of euphoria is probably sort of like double that, that might have been where. If we'd been three two up, nothing happened in the last ten minutes, and we won won the game. It's sometimes the, the, the man of the victory. This is what the season's going to be like. It's going to be up and down. You know, we're go, we're going to have you know days like Newcastle, but we're going to have days like yesterday and days like Man City when we, we did enough to win. And I think people have to get used to that. You know, as you say, like the people are like nappy shitty. It might take a while for Pochettino to get Chelsea back, where people instantly think we need to be there now tomorrow. You know. This isn't Chelsea. We're an elite football club. We should be challenging. Yes, we should be, but we're not in that position at the moment. And it might take us a little while to get back there. I think the important thing is this season, we look at the Carabao Cup, we look at the FA Cup, and they're our best chances of silverware this year. And we do our damnedest to get as high up in the league as we possibly can. Dan. 
this is a very different Chelsea to what we're used to in the past 20 yeah. odd years. We had a lot of stuff, you know, well documented, getting past the previous ownership, the new ownership, changing the whole structure of the club, arguably building the, gra- the club up from the ground up with some proper foundations. Because really, it wasn't the foundations, it was Roman's generosity that kept us going for, for, for 20 years. It's, it's a different Chelsea. We've fallen off the cliff for the Premier League since Conte by a long way. We've been something like 140 points behind the respective champions since 2016. So we've not really been challenging for anywhere near the Premier League. Yes, we've kind of got over the line in various cup competitions and to get Champions League, but we're, we are where we are. It's going to be a, a slow process. There's plenty of positives. Poch has come in, hopefully, to, to, to build us up. You can look, you know, we took over Spurs. They were utterly dog shit. It took him a long time to get stuff working at Spurs. He's almost got the point where he's always going to be sacked. But he won, he turned it around, and slowly, slowly, they, they became the best Spurs team in my lifetime. They've had a better mentality. They would have probably won some trophies. So it's, it's going to be a slow process. No club's got divine right to win stuff. It's going to be a lot of bumps in the roads. But we're seeing some good football. We're seeing a little bit of fight. We're seeing some mistakes. We're just seeing football. You know, I, just, I don't know. Just, it just, you know, a lot of entitlement amongst supporters across the board, not just Chelsea. And if you've been a Chelsea fan for 20 years, You've only known success. If you're under 40, no no fault of your birthright. Mate, 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 mate. That, 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 Dan, Dan, there are people... I don't think you can you can generalise on the age front here. I mean, I take your point. If, if you were like, you know, 10 in 2003, you've really known nothing in your life other than Chelsea's success. But, you know, I think our, my generation, I'm a bit older than you, me and Mark's generation, I mean, most of the people I know of, of that, of that age group are okay yes you know when we're thinking about it we can be uh fairly philosophical like like you've just been but i think i think we have a sense of entitlement too because we're used to fucking winning oh, yeah, and we I like think, it of course yeah that's, listen i'd much rather us be second behind arsenal than 10th don't get me wrong but i just think at the moment it's been slowly but surely over the last since conte we have dropped off no, the no. pace that's we're, unarguable we're, yeah unarguable yeah, and i think yeah. we We've bought, spent a billion quid. We've bought a lot of potential. We've bought players for the long term. We've got some talent there. We've got some huge potentials there. You know, when all the players gel, like Casido, Fernandez, and the third midfielder, you know, we've got Lavia to come back. We've got Nkunku. Nkunku was meant to be our main man. I know. No, no. He's injured in training, so we've not seen him since, yeah. you know, since July. So there's plenty of reasons. Ridiculous injury list. Some stupid self inflicted wounds, obviously. But I, I just think, you know, it, it's very reactionary. And I think social media barometer does kind of tend to cloud people's judgment to the point because you go and read a whole lot of shit on social media with CSC not from Ulan Bataan, you know, slating English players or slating this, slating that. It, it does kind of cloud your judgment. You know, City was one of the best guys I've ever been to. We showed some fight and we stood toe to toe with the best team in Europe. Exactly. So there's plenty of positives. No, no. Plenty of positives. I, I'm, I'm not for, I'm for, I'm, I'm never one to be totally down about anything really because I, I tend to be pretty pragmatic and philosophical. I actually think, you know, if we go back to my quip about, quip about the 90s, and of course, if you remember, if you remember the 90s, you probably weren't there. But no, joking aside, um, you know, we, 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 I mean, you know, I th- I thought we generally had a uh, I thought we generally had a chance of winning the league, you know, to the back end of the nineties, ninety eight, wasn't it? I think when we ninety eight nine, we ninety eight nine, we should have won. Yeah, the league. I, I think that, we that team yeah. under Viali. Yeah. yeah, you know, well, we, we Flo Poyet got injured. That was yeah. it, wasn't it? But we yeah. we were yeah. we were competing for that. But be, apart from that season, I never I never thought I'd see Chelsea ever win the league at all. I really never I never believed I would see Chelsea win the league. But but I but we had become a good cup team. 
So we we were there. We were, we could get into the top four, or we getting in a, we were getting into a place where we could get into the top four. Never really realistically had a chance to win the league, but we had a good chance of winning cup competitions, and we were good at doing that. Now I wonder if you know we, we would we would be okay with that now, I, and I suspect we wouldn't because we've gone off and won fucking five Premier Leagues, la, 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 and I don't think people will settle for that. However, here's my point: I really think that we all have to we have to let go of this point which is it fucks me off like you would not believe that even though we weren't really with a sniff of the title Dan and that is unarguable we we managed to delude ourselves that we might be because we were winning things like the Champions League and we we were we were getting there or thereabouts Tuchel was doing a good job getting us there or thereabouts but the reality is you know we were the world champions when it all went tits up and Roman got nobbled and then Bowley came in and has gone this direction. I don't think we can sit here now saying, yes, 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 but we should be doing this. Yes, 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 but we should be doing that. We have to let that go. That is gone. That whole Roman era now, it is gone. And we're not going back there. So I don't but, think we have but, any... Hang on. I don't think we have any, I don't think we have any, any choice but to sit here and go, okay, let's just see where we are and how it's going to work. I just think expectations will have to be realigned. And the fact we've lost so many domestic cup finals in the last few years. If we won the Carabao Cup in Under February, Roman. Be fantastic. Under Roman. Under, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, we won a downward trajectory in the league since 2016, Conte. Um, it's, it's, it's evident by league position. Yes, we were getting top four. Yes, we still had a bit of balls with a bit of fight. But, you know, who, listen, who knows what, you know, revisionists, I don't know if Bramwich had stayed, not had the sanctions, what would have happened? Would, would we have continued to, to fall? I don't know. I can't believe that one person goes and the whole mentality of the club is ripped out. I don't believe that for one minute. You can't well, just yeah, say, but you know, it, it, isn't, it isn't just one person, though, is it, Dan? No, but in terms of, you he, know... He's got, they've got rid of the whole, the whole team. They, they, look, they completely changed the way the whole thing's run. But more to the point, and I mean, this is the thing that I think we feel most conflicted about, in a way. Because I know, because I was here on the show when we were all saying it, nearly everybody they got rid of was on our list to get rid of. And yet the trouble is, when you get rid of everybody in one go and you replace them with kids, you know, this is where we are. Yeah, exactly. But then we're gonna, we're, we need time. You know, I think football's now such an immediate... Um, it's got to happen now, it's got to happen now. Managers don't get any time now. You know, Sheffield United have just sat Tekkenbottom. He did really well to get to the Premier League and now he's gone. There, there, it's such... Uh, money is so important. You, you, you get no time, you don't get... It's never going to be a focus on Wenger anymore. That's gone. No. You know, 18 months, two years, that's your tenure. That's it. Done. No, and we, we as Chelsea fans just have, have, we've got a different outlook, should we say now, on where we are. Well, I, I, we want I, to get I, back I, to those I, levels. You know, I'm, I'm beginning, I'm be- I think the reason I made the point, Mark, was I'm beginning to come to peace with that and it's it's actually really fucked me off i mean as you know i mean you you, you and i are pretty close we talk a lot mm. and, yeah. it, and it's got me quite down what's happened because i just felt that it was so unnecessary uh on all on all fronts it was unnecessary i mean you know getting rid of tickle getting rid of roman what bowley did when they came in all of that but the, the the fucking reality is i can't change that i cannot go back and change that it what has happened has happened so i think i'm now you know, a year and a half, two years nearly since it happened, I'm beginning to go, okay, right, I've got to let that go because those days are gone. And it, this is a completely new era for, era for Chelsea. This is like, this is this is as big as uh, going from Division 1 to the Premier League when that came in because that changed a lot of things. It's as big as when uh, Hullet became manager because I actually, I mean, I know Hoddle was responsible for changing the mentality, 
you could you could you could pin it all on Hoddle, but we could also go Hullet. It's as big as that, and as big as when when uh, Roman and Mourinho came in. You know, it's a, it's a complete reset. It's changed the entire fabric and the nature of the club, uh, for good or ill. But it's changed, Mark. No, you're quite correct. Uh, it has changed, and you're right about letting go. I don't think a lot. Yeah, you know, not you have, but I don't think a lot of people have yet let go. And I think. There are I'm, I'm available, have... £55 an hour. I can <laughs> help you through it. <laughs> uh, I, I think there are people still hankering after the Roman regime. I think there's people hankering after Tuchel still, still being manager, even though we've gone through a number of managers. I think there are people with that mindset, quite, quite, quite right, and that's not, not, not criticism, right or wrong, because we've spent a billion pounds, people have retained that mindset say, but we spent a billion pounds. And I'll give an example. Had we not spent anywhere near that amount of money, say, un- under the new regime, and you look at the ages of those young players, a lot of them are still learning. There were probably players in our youth team who've come through the academy, were in the academy, who could have been in the first team now doing a similar job as some of those. And they probably would have had a bit more patience, a bit more time because they've come through the academy Certainly with match-going supporters, maybe non-match-going supporters might sort of think differently, some people's perception about Cobham. But because we've spent a billion pounds, because people have got a hundred million pound fees attached to them, there is still that level of expectation. We have spent a hundred million pounds on you. Therefore, you need to be a world-class player because world-class players cost a hundred million pounds. It's not their fault that we paid over the odds for a lot of these players. But by spending that money... The expectation for people who should have let go is still there because they think, well, these guys should hit the ground running and be absolutely brilliant. And we know it don't work like that. But Dan's right because it's all in the immediate. It's all in the here and now. It's all about success, even though there's only four trophies. There's a lot of people think because we are Chelsea, we are an elite football club, we're one of the biggest clubs in the world. We have to win every single game. And we're all long enough in the tooth to know it ain't like that. It doesn't always work like that. We haven't got Jose Mourinho as manager when that used to be the case where we used to turn up and win every week. This is, as you say, we are starting again almost. You know, we nearly went out of business not that long ago. You know, So you've got to sort of think, this has almost been a dramatic reset. And had we turned this round in the year under the new administration and already be competing for the league, you'd be probably thinking, bloody hell, this lot of geniuses. Yeah. You know, they, they transformed the club in such a short period of time where we might look back in two years' time and say, actually, we are back where we, we always were, but it took us that time to get there. Mm. Dan? Yeah, I think whoever was coming in after Roman, massive shoes to fill, because, you know, he was, quote, the best owner in football. So whoever came in, whether it had been the other consortium, whatever, huge shoes to fill. So there's a lot of kind of looking back at how great Roman was to, from a footballing perspective to the club. Well, well Dan, 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 quickly, I, I think, you know, Bowley replacing Roman is the equivalent of Wenger leaving or, or, or Fergie leaving. Yeah, well, that was, that was my second point. And sorry, you look, mate, you look at, uh, yeah, no, that's fine, that's fine. I was going to say that, you know, it's like, you know, Joe say to Benitez, that kind of thing, you know, come in, it's just very much like, it's Roman. He, we lived the dream, won everything under him. He was a brilliant owner from a footballing perspective, absolutely superb. And they go across the other side of London, Arteta. You know, after Wenger left, it took, was it, who came in? Was it, um, I can't remember, Emery? Good evening. Emery, Emery, Emery came yeah, in. Emery, yeah. and then 
it's taken it's taken Arsenal five years yeah, from Wenger, six years from Wenger. Now Arteta, he had time, he had patience. You saw the Arsenal fans, Arteta out, the 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 this isn't Arsenal, blah blah blah. And now look at them, they're challenging, they're up yeah. there. There's there's so little patience in modern football, and now Arsenal they had to put through a lot of shit with Arteta, and now they're, yeah, they're doing all right. Side. It makes me feel it makes me feel sick to say it. And yet and yet Arsenal, I mean, here's my other point, and this is brilliant because none of this is scripted. Uh, I didn't even think of this until we thought of it, and that's why I love this show. Um, what I what I I fear, and this might be realistic. I mean, the reason we haven't won the title or competed for it since 2016 is because. Uh, of Man City, basically, because they got more money than everybody else. You know, they've bombed the league. Uh, but what I what I fear and what I would hate to see is that what will happen to us now after twenty years of unparalleled success is what happened to Liverpool in the nineties. What happened to United as well? What's happened? I mean, Arsenal haven't won the league since two thousand and three. Yeah, you know, and it, it could be. I know we could be talking. Yeah. We could be talking. 10 to 20 years before we see anything like the success we saw with Roman. And I, I don't think how old Mark and I will be in 20 years' time. We, we'll <laughs> certainly be fucking other... Chelsea pensioners, mate, won't we? <laughs> but the other thing we haven't done since probably 2017 is we haven't had an out-and-out, number nine, goal-scoring, 20, 25 goals a season striker. Another reason why... City are where they are. And they, they've had a couple of versions of their team. They phased Aguero out and they brought Haaland in. And again, Haaland now is just looking like a bargain. They spent £50 million on Haaland and we're spending £100 million on players who aren't yet at that level but have got amazing potential. Haaland just looks like the, the bargain of the last God knows how many years. And I think that the, the difficulty is, and it's not just a problem for Chelsea, it's a problem for a lot of clubs. There aren't that many guaranteed number nine strikers out there in world football that is going to get you those 20, 25, 30 goals a season that, that Drogba got us, that Costa got us. You need players like that if you're going to win titles. You're not going to win a title alone with a mean defence. You need someone to put the ball in the net on regular occasions during the course of the season. And since Costa left, we've never properly done that. No, you're right. Um, I'm going to move it on because we could run and run on this. All I will say is that uh, Ted Bobley, uh, it sounds like he's probably ruined my pension in terms of my Chelsea watching days, but he might just have resurrected my nephews. You know, because, you know, my nephew is going to be like I was in, well, actually, I was a bit older uh, in the mid 80s. Um, you know, but it, it, it'll be like, like, I mean, it could be for my nephew like it was for us in the, you know, in 83, 84. And uh, and in the early nineties, when Hoddle came in, and it suddenly went boom. Um, but you know, he's, they probably fucked the next ten, fifteen years of my Chelsea life, and that could be that could be me done. But hey, do you know what? I've seen in the last twenty odd years, Chelsea win everything they could possibly win, and I never expected them to win anything other than the odd FA Cup here and there, and the, and, a, and a Waffle I know, Cup. I, I, I would. So say I'm, I'm okay. I can live with that. No, me too. But I would say if you rewind it back. When we got knocked out by Sunderland in the 1992 FA Cup replay at Roker Park, coming away from Roker Park, I've always said, if there was ever one moment yeah. in my Chelsea supporting history where you think, that's, that's it. it. That's it. That's We're it. We're never that, winning anything again, ever. That, 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 that was that, it, wasn't that, it? That, that, that was the, the game, or maybe when we lost at Bristol City in the pissing rain. Yeah. Coming away from Sunderland, and you just sort of think, 
how well we played that night and we get back in the game, wise equalizers with five minutes to go. And I've always said the way that away end celebrated that goal that night, you just thought we're back in the game now. We will go on in extra time and we'll be in the semi and we'll get to Wembley. And 92 would be the year that Chelsea finally won the FA Cup. When that didn't happen with, um, was it Gordon Armstrong with the last minute header? Kieran, Kieran Brady. That... Is it Kieran it's, it's, Brady? Armstrong. No, Armstrong scored the last minute header for Sunday. Oh, I thought it was Brady. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. No, yeah. Armstrong scored the last minute header. And you just think on that way back to London, this is never going to happen in my lifetime. So when we then get to Wembley in 94, and we'd already beaten Manchester United twice this, that season through Gavin Peacock and that internal optimism that I am, you think this is our year. And when that doesn't happen in the pissing rain, it's always pissing rain when we all seem to lose. You think this is never going to happen. And then Hoddle comes in and already been and do all these things. And then when you win it in 97, I'd have thought, oh, I'm done. I'm happy. But then we went on this amazing journey where we didn't just win the FA Cup. We then won the League Cup. We were qualifying for the Champions League. We missed out on the tarts with the island. And then we started winning through Mourinho and, and beyond. We did, and then, we did, we did. Other than the Europa Conference League, which we haven't won. I know. Well, we you know, have, I, would, I, would like to see, like, I would like to see us win that so we can say we won it. And, gonna, do, you know, I'm, and I'm, do you know why? Sorry, very quick point. Um, if we do manage to qualify the Europa Conference League this season, do you know where the final is next year? No. Athens? Warsaw. Warsaw? Ah. Warsaw. Poland. Well, that'd be fun. That'd be a good trip. Yeah. That'd be fun. We like that. Right, I'm going to move this on because uh, I, I didn't even expect us to talk about all that. It kind of was a bit random. But I think really just, just to, to the final point on the game, Dan, you know, like I said, I mean, we, we sh- it was it was remarkable kind of similarities in a way, you know, because I thought we played well against Newcastle for the first half. And then James gets sent off. We make some brain farts and the game goes and we just chucked in the towel recently, uh, really. And I thought yesterday I was really quite worried uh, when Gallagher went off that, oh, for fuck's sake, it's like history repeating the week later. But actually, you know, playing for an hour, well, it was, it was, it was, near, it was, it was, it was an hour plus, really, wasn't it, that we played with 10 men. Um, you know, Brighton were, were not there for, to make up the numbers. They were having a go. They wanted to, 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 to seize that game. The fact that we, we held out for the win, I think, shows number one, an improvement from what happened last week, which does tell me they're capable of learning. And it also showed some character, which we, is not something we've been able to say about Chelsea's size too often recently. No, a lot of togetherness, because the final whistle, the, I think all four centre-backs doing some massive hug with each other. It, it shows, it shows <clears throat> excuse me, that there are shoots of positivity to go against a, a Brighton, arguably a better side than us at the moment. We did really well, you know, adversity. I tell you what, if we had a fan cast at half time, I'm spitting about Gallagher. Oh, we're gonna lose. Because I think even even um, even the, the honourable George smiling at half time and said, No, it's on three to Brighton. I have never I have never seen him so fucking angry and negative. I thought oh, someone 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 nicks your phone. I mean but no, mate, I he, was, he, was, he was he was he was seething, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean we all were because it was it was just so frustrating. But I think he was shown against Man City that we can, we can, we are capable of, of doing it. Because, you know, you think of four, I know we're going back a bit, four, three to City, 10, five minutes to go. Oh, that's it, game's over. We fought back, we got the yeah, penalty. Yeah. There are some positivities. There are. There yes, are. Newcastle. Newcastle was just down to, again, stupid mistakes. Yeah. You know, Reese getting sent off, Thiago Silva making a mistake. That's two big things. The, game, the game's gone from you. And, you know, Newcastle, partisan crowd, it becomes very difficult to get back into it. It does. 
interesting to see if the team goes behind again as if there's a fight yeah. because you know going behind's always been a problem for us well, we, 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 did, we, did against, to... we did against City. We did against City, so we know they can. Yeah. Listen, I'm just going to read. I'm going to read uh, you. Uh, sorry, go, go on, Dad. Sorry, finish, mate. Sorry. I was just saying the bigger picture. Generally speaking, that we go behind, you always think, oh, we're going to lose because we haven't got. Listen, small, small positives. We held out really good performance. Lots of positives going into the next couple of games. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I'm going to read you out what what uh, Pochettino said after the game because I thought this was bang on actually. He said, it's an important victory for us because after Newcastle, we needed to show a different face and the response was very good. I told the players at half-time after Gallagher's red card, this is a massive opportunity and challenge for us to show we are a real team. We competed really well. We scored another goal with one less and then we won the game. So we're happy and we need to use this kind of victory to try to build our confidence. Uh, Pochettino, you are spot on, my friend. Absolutely spot on. Now, um, just to kind of pick up on a couple of other things that... uh, uh, came to my attention. I don't know. I mean, you might have been a bit nearer to this than, than me and Mark, Dan. But what was what was? Who, who knows? Just just leap in. Whoever whoever knows. What on earth was the argy bargy all about at full time? I mean, the other thing is, I was trying to get out quick to get to the Troubadour, so I wasn't in the mind to like hang around and find out. But there's a lot of argy bargy at the end. What was that all about? I didn't see anything. I just just. It, I think it's typical. Sanchez was giving a bit of the Billy big time back to the Brighton. Players, it's, there's no love lost between the two clubs. And the, you know the players over the last, you know, year or so, and the Brighton fans, you know, in their cup final, giving it large the whole time. I just think it was just emotions, the penalty not being given, quite a feisty, competitive match. I just think it's, you know, Dick swinging late off steam. Yeah. It was, I think it was something and nothing. I wouldn't, it was no. But I like, so I like the fact that Sanchez is getting vocal and giving it back to the Brighton players, which is great. You know, yeah. I, like, I like it. I say, but I kind of like him. He's no, he's I like. He's all right. I don't know. He's all right. I don't. We've been sport with fantastic yeah. goalkeepers, and now we've got a, a good goalkeeper, not a fantastic goalkeeper. No, exactly. So that's part of the reason we are. Well, we, we are. We're used to world class goalkeepers. That's the trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you because I think he was he was actually having a go at the Brighton fans, and this brings well, me to my well. my other point, and I've and I've mentioned this before. Now, you know, don't get me wrong here. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I can't find uh, or think of a more irrelevant team. Than Brighton, they are utterly irrelevant to us, um, completely, and they always have been, and they always will be. But I have to ask this question: What the fucking fuck is their problem? Um, you know this this comparison, little club Chelsea. I mean, they've they've never won a thing in their entire fucking history, Dan. They have, they have. Coca Cola bought them the player because they won a competition. <laughs> <laughs> they they Coca Cola bought them Colin Kazim Richards. How long ago it was because they won a competition when the Coca Cola Cup was a League Cup. They won fuck all. Maybe the, the West Sussex Senior Cup, whatever it is. They they had one brilliant season. They had Graham Potter. We gave them silly money for Potter, and they give it give it large. You know, they're, they're shit Crystal Palace. That's what I got to say. Yeah, Mark. This is an interesting one. Um, I'll, I'll sort of say say a few things on, on this one. I think firstly, I don't know why they're trying to create a rivalry with us that. I think in most normal, sensible, level-headed Chelsea fans know it doesn't exist. The only rival they've got is with Crystal Palace. That's it. And, and, end of. What, what I find fascinating, and I know it's our good friend social media, um, is even some of the sensible, normal, level-headed people have been biting back on a couple of examples. And I just sort of think, I won't give them the time, time of day because there's no rivalry there. There's a really good... No, it's not really good. There's a really 
busy um, Twitter handle of a Brighton fan called um, the Brighton Bubble. Now, they were at it after the cup game and again at it yesterday. And the amount of people that sort of bit back, etc. Now, there's a saying um, in Ireland. And the saying is, um, and if you can guess what I'm trying to describe, if someone is half a bubble off true, what are they? If, I, if, I, if, if you're in a pub in Ireland and someone in Ireland described the person as half a bubble off true. You'd be no bubble at all, mate. There'd be a fucking idiot. There'd be a fucking idiot. There'd be a fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what that Brighton bubble person, I don't know where male or I have no idea. I don't really care. Why we are engaging with that idiot, that fucking idiot, no, I, I don't agree. know. If you're on Twitter, ignore, ignore him. him. And, I, and I think the, the other one was as well, I, can't, I actually wrote down what they, they wrote down. Regardless of the result, I'm so incredibly proud of the boys for that performance. Facing constant adversity in a game which Chelsea saw as a cup final. Couldn't have asked for more, you know, than we got with who we had available. It's like Chelsea, it's just like, yeah, come again, come back when you've actually fucking won a cup final. But people bit on that, and then the third one was someone's going on about us, you know, them Brighton being in the Europa League, and you sort of think, you know, people the shit people write, you sort of think this is so funny. I think they must uh, be fucking people... soft in the head, Mark. That's the only thing they, I can they, think they, of. Because they, they're actually writing about a team that's won the Europa Cup final twice. <laughs> Twice we won it twice. Well, and, anyway, and the listen. Trouble is, so go, 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 so go, many sorry. people be, ignore ignore them. As I said, they're half a bubble off true. They're fucking idiots. Yeah, mate. Okay, just to to, to recap on what Dan was saying, uh, Brighton's league performance from 1920 to present day, I would say they've spent almost the. Int- I mean, they that it's, it's like a little kind of you know uh, peaks and uh, peaked graph, if you see what I mean. They've uh, obviously the recent history. They've been in the Premier League. The only other time they've been in the first division was in the 80s, I think, for about two or three years. Most of their time has been spent in the third division. Their their, their real position is the third division. Their their honours in the league, the best they've done ever is to be runners-up in Old Money Division 2 in 78-79 and and in the championship when they came up in 2016-17. My goodness me, they were champions of the third division south in 58-02-11. And uh, they were the champions of the fourth division in 65 and 01. And they were the champions of the Southern League in 1910. And the best they've done in the Cups, they were, I remember this when they got absolutely humped by United. Smith must score! He didn't. Anyway, 82-83, they were runners-up in the FA Cup. Uh, they did win the FA Charity Shield, which, as we know, according to Jose, they count. That was in 1910. So I think One they... before us. Wow. Yeah, they've won absolutely fuck all. Fucking unbelievable. Anyway. They've won, they've won something. They've won something we haven't won. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, actually, you know, really, maybe what we should be doing is reminding them that we've only recently been shit since we bought half of their players and their coaching and their recruitment team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they've won the Sussex Royal Ulster Rifles Charity Cup, but they shared it with Chichester City in 1961. Oh, now, we haven't won that because we're, we're, we're not in Sussex. Don't get me wrong. I actually think they're a good football team with a good manager. 
why they obsess with Chelsea, I don't know. And it is and very much really it's care. it's their obsession. It's, it's I mean, not, it, but it, 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 it's a bit it's a bit QPR. They're a bit like QPR. But they're no, no, no. They're, they're not like QPR because you know we, they're obsessed. Yeah, yeah but because no. in the, you know, come on, in the seventies, QPR had their day in the sun, and and in their local, and there's very good reasons to not like QPR. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. they are they are a classic. This is a very modern phenomenon. They. They are. They have attached to. Uh, they have attached themselves to us in order for them to have credibility. They're, do you know what they are? They're a fucking parasite. They're a bug on a hippo's ass, mate. That's all they are to us. <laughs> all right. And that's my final comment on it because we're going to have a break. Uh, but before we do, um, well, actually, before we do, I, I've seen somebody in Mixler who's reminded me something, and it's the lovely Richard Schaller. And I and I've just realised I said something to Richard last night about his Dixon Speedy T-shirts, which was pro- probably a bit unkind and i i'd like i'd like to at this very moment richard withdraw the comment that i made that i thought was very funny but actually probably wasn't because uh, richard made these fantastic t-shirts didn't he with with dixon yeah, speedy yeah. on which of course went the way of the pair because of course there was no speedy uh, and i said ah oh, that'll be a bit like um uh like those those t-shirts that uh people print when they're in an fa cup final or something with champions on them that never get used but i well, which i thought was funny but i didn't it, i i realized that might be an unkind so i'm sorry richard secondly richard i'd like to say thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for the uh the chelsea fancast t-shirt you gave me and jk last night it's absolutely hilarious i don't know how i feel about wearing it it's got my ugly mug on it in kind of richard shallock uh you know kind of illustrated <laughs> form but uh maybe if i if i get so drunk in the cock it'll remind me who i am so it might actually be useful but richard but the, thank- speedy, the, the speedy addiction t-shirts collect designs they are they're brilliant uh anyway yeah. i just want to say thank you richard but also it's reminded me to actually say thank you to everybody who came to the event yesterday i mean as mark and i were saying earlier and i know mark feels the same as me it, it just it's just delightful when you put something on and people really get behind it and support it and people really are and it's just lovely and the comments we had afterwards are superb so thank you to everybody particularly those of you who are listening in mixless tonight for coming along we really really appreciate it now uh just a very quick as per usual plug for you know what that would be uh the uh the CFC UK fancy, and you know what I've done. DJ gave me a copy yesterday. I've left it in the bloody troubadour, Mark. <laughs> so I still haven't read your article or Marco's article. So I'm going to have, I'm going to, have to message him and say, Dave, set, save me a copy, mate, and I'll pick it up against Sheffield. Anyway, um, you can get unlike me, you can get a copy. But if you go to the stall uh, on a match day, it's opposite the Fulham Broadway tube. Uh, and uh, it's it's the best fanzine out there. It's brilliant. But if you can't ever make it to the games for whatever reason, don't worry. You can still get a fanzine, and it will keep you in touch with what's going on because all the people who write there, they've got their finger on the pulse. They've died on the wall fans. They know their onions. But you can subscribe to it and get a hard copy in the post by going to fanzine at cfcuk.net, uh, and that will cost you 20 quid in uh, the UK, 45 quid in Europe, 60 quid for the rest of the world, uh, 6 quid if you want it digitally, Dave will email you a PDF or a pound each, and you can pay via PayPal. And uh, very quick, Mark, you want to come in? Sorry, mate. Oh, no, just the other thing, because obviously you mentioned the obviously Richard's listing in it. I think the other thing mentioning that people were there yesterday, and it's another example of Richard's brilliant artwork. Um, those people that bought the Come Along, Sing This Song, 8384 book, if you're following Mr. Mark Worrell on either Facebook or Twitter, now known as X, Mark has advertised some 2024 Come Along and Sing This Song Chelsea calendars for sale 
featuring Richard's artwork. There were some available yesterday at the Troubadour. If you're following Mark, um, Mark will post them out too if you want to order more on mail order or any of the home games between now and Christmas, they'll be available on the CFC UK store. The calendars are absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I, I took one home with me last night. It looks absolutely business. And thank you for my copy. I appreciated that. Uh, very quick shout out to the Chelsea pitch owners. If you want to own a piece of Chelsea, then you need to get yourself a CPO share. That's right. Now, owning a share means that you have a share of the freehold of the stadium, which means you have a, a say in what happens to the stadium next, as in, will it be rebuilt on the same spot or will they try and move somewhere? If you're a CPO shareholder, you get a voice. You get a say in what happens. So it's a very, very, very important thing. And, you know, it basically, all the shareholders are are, are all Chelsea supporters. They, they abs- if you know, if, you, if, you, if you're a Chelsea supporter and you don't have the best interest of the club at heart, then, you know, I don't know what's, what's going on. So these people have the best interest of the club uh, heart. Don't believe what you see from the fuckwits on Twitter, who who would who would have a fucking stadium in Los Angeles tomorrow if if you fucking gave them a choice. These people have been going to Chelsea for a very long, 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 long time. They have the interests of the club at heart, and it gives you some power. Only Chelsea has this. No other club in the in the in the country has this. If you want to share, about 110 quid for an electronic one, about 175 quid for a frame share signed by a Chelsea player. Just go to the Chelsea website, chelseafc.com, and search for Chelsea pitch owners. Right, after this very short break, we'll be back to look ahead to the Man United game on Wednesday. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and uh, we're back into part three now. And I'm joined, of course, by the fantastic Dan Silver. Good evening. Good evening. You know, I very nearly said Hi O Silver. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tonto, Silver, whatever. Exactly. So I should I should do that next time. And we do in fact have with us we have Tonto, also known as Mark Meehan. Good evening, everybody. Lovely to see you, Mark. Thank you for listening in to the fan cast. Thank you, Mark. I have to say this: we mentioned I mentioned you last week actually on the show because I I absolutely love the fact that uh, when we're doing a show on a Monday, you you're quite often to be found in Mixler, mate, listening. Yeah, I love the show. Yeah, even, even before even before that. I think we talked about it on a previous show where we met at Neil Beard's birthday drink. 50th birthday, so wasn't it? 50th birthday. It's, it's yeah. fifth, that's it. It's 50th birthday. Therefore, I met the prior to come on the Chelsea fan cards that had a drink with you. I actually listened to the show before then. Yeah. I, I, was, I think it's a great show. Yeah, oh. even, you know, even, even, when, even, when, it, even, even when you're not on it. Even when I'm not on it, it's a great show. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the fact that you're in Mixler quite often. I love the fact Tony is. Tony does that too. It's, it's, it's lovely. I'm really quite touched. So and, and again, and again, the, the, the beauty about it is, without the fan cast, and it's, it's the same as that without Chelsea. But without the fan cast, you've met people just through the fan cast. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know, and your your starting relationship with a lot of them might have been through through Mixler. Yeah, right. yeah, that's that's yeah. so true. And, and that's, that's that's the amazing thing about this sort of football club. How you build relationships yeah. and make contacts in the community that is, is Chelsea, and the fan cast plays a really important role in that. I, I I agree with you. We we we've built our own little community. I mean, I was just thinking actually, as you're saying that, I I got to meet a lot of people by writing for the fanzine. 
that yeah. that opened yeah. that opened my yeah. world yeah. to a, a, yeah. a lot that yeah. I didn't. I mean, you know, well, Marco, Marco, and Kelvin, really. I mean, I think you know because I started writing for the fanzine and I met Mark at the stall and I bought all of his books and then I got him on the show to talk about them and that's that's why Mar- Marco's the uh, currently uh, it's like he's the Trevor Chaloba, Trevor Chaloba of the Chelsea fan cast. <laughs> Mark gets it. He's the longest serving member. He is indeed. He is indeed. Yeah. So there you go. He was on our. Yeah. He was on in our first season. So there we go. Right. Enough of me prattling on. We're going to look at the Man United Chelsea game, which of course kicks off on Wednesday. Uh, are you going, Dan? Uh, Dan says no. No, I'm not. Uh, no. You going, Mark? I was gonna. This is a bit of a yeah a, a pain in the arse of the month of December because I'd sort of made plans. I thought, oh, this would be a good trip to go. I like going up to Manchester. I've got relatives that live up there. Uh, I've also got a mate of mine that doesn't live too far away. So I thought this would be actually the perfect trip. But then when you start, start looking at your diaries, I've got things on Wednesday, I've got things on Thursday. So even if I'd gone up on Wednesday, I've got something on Wednesday afternoon, I've got something on Thursday. It just, it, it's just impractical. So I was going to go, but yeah, I'm not now. <sighs> yeah. I think JK's going. Uh, so he told me it's a bastard of a trip on a Wednesday night, though. I mean, fair play to everybody who is going. I, I mean, oh, I think yeah. There's also another reason. I actually do fancy it on Wednesday. Well, week. you'll get a ticket if you want one, won't you? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't about that. No, it's just I've just got other things on now on Wednesday and right. Thursday. It just makes it impractical. No, I had a ticket. Yeah, so I had the chance. Oh, right, right, right. It just right. It, it, it just it, it didn't work out. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I couldn't anyway because I can't even go. Yeah. I won't even be at the yeah. Newcastle game because I have to work uh, late every night of the week. I'm afraid. But uh, right here, we we all know what happens now. It's it's my my team, uh, my uh, my lineup for Wednesday night, and it would be. It would be, interestingly, it would be Colwell, Silva, Sanchez, Badiashiel, James. It would be Caicedo, uh, Fernandez, Palmer. And it would be Mudrick, Sterling and Brozier. So I need to give you a bit of my thinking there. I mean, because I think, I think the big question really, there are quite a few questions actually to be asked about this team because Gallagher's kind of fucking norsed it all up by being suspended. So, <laughs> um, you know, that means that the midfield, which is the, the, the best uh, working bit of our team currently, as we found out when we played Newcastle, no Caicedo, it don't work too well. So I'm kind of worried about the, the fact no Gallagher, it won't work so well because what Gallagher does uh, um, is he, 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 he leads the press, he does very well at that, he tackles, he wins the ball back and he gets up and down. And I don't know if there's anybody who is as good as doing that as he is. So I think he will be a big miss for us. So I think the, the, the question that, that, that Pochettino will have will be, does he you know stick uh, Leslie in, which would be very defensive, and play Fernandes in the more advanced role? Or does he take a gamble? Um, if I was the manager, as you now know, I would take the gamble, and I and I would uh, I would basically um, I would put Palmer in into the midfield, so have him slightly deeper, because I think he's a very good player, and I think he's more than capable of doing that. I think Mixler's gone down, by the way, for some reason, but there's nothing I can do about that. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, they'll have to listen to the podcast, won't they? Um, yeah. So basically, uh, I would play Palmer in the midfield in the more advanced role uh and I would that would allow you to play Sterling on the right and that would allow you to play Mudrick on the left who I think did all right against uh, Brighton 
but of course where i would change and i'm I, i'm thinking i might retract this now because oh no oh no 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 can you hear me boys yeah yeah okay yeah. My, my screen just disappeared so i was wondering if the computer had gone fut something's happening basically that's made it go fut but you can still hear me yeah all, and yeah. all good well shout if you can't all right so um yeah so i mean i think jackson actually did did do all right against brighton and and maybe deserves to to stay in his place i i'm just kind of getting a bit twitchy about him and i'm thinking that actually what would be really useful would be to see him uh to see brozier have a start i'd like to see what brozier can do from a start so that's why i've gone for him of course the other issue is um obviously james will be back so what do you do do you play cucurella at left back uh and stay with uh, Silva and Dizazi, or do you play uh, Colwell at left back, and do you swap Badia Shield for Dizazi? So there's a lot of conundrums in there. I mean, I've what did I? I can't remember what I did now. <laughs> I think I said I'd play Colwell. I said Colwell, Silva, and Badia Shield, didn't I? Because I think Badia Shield is a yep. good player. So there we go. Lots to discuss there, boys. Dan, you got your finger up first. So does Silva have three games in a week in him? With Everton on Sunday, I think possibly he might rest him for the game, and you'll have Colwell left and a Badia Shield on the right, and he'll bring back Cucurella and Reese James as fullbacks. Um, midfield three, I think, as you say, and up front, I still think he'll start Jackson. I don't know if Burrage has got 90 minutes in his legs from the start. I think he'll come off the bench. So I don't think Silva's got three games in a week in him. You see that? I think from the three games. I agree with you. I agree with you, and I think that 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 would be that would be sensible to do, uh, given that United have got a fair amount of pace as well. But I think I th- I mean the reason I picked him was because of course well, I kind of presume that he has got it in him, and actually we need his experience up there is what I would say, and I think that's what Poch will do. But if you're right, I mean you know that's if that's if he's got it in him, and you know we're not the best to judge that, but it's a good point. Yeah, because I think maybe. Ever- Everton let less pacey. They haven't got huge amounts of pace down down the middle. So I think maybe it's a game that he'll come back for Everton. Mm. So I think yeah, I think Colwell and Badish Shield the centre half. Right. Okay. And James. Well, hang on. Not not bad. Not Badish Shield and Dzazi. Have Colwell on the left. Who's was more progressive fullbacks in the team? I it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's almost getting to the point now where he's actually got a foot, fully fit squad. I, I imagine Reese James will come back in because he gives us a lot going forward. Maybe, but Cole's not a left back with the pace you want, you know, because you, you want to have a, a proper full back up against pace, not a, a centre half. I think, I think, so you I, maybe think I, I, I think Colwell is pacey. I think he is pacey. No, he's, 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 a centre, he's a left-sided centre-half. I'd rather have full, proper full-backs up against the pace, the trickery, and the wingery. Spot, spot on. I mean, if I had an issue with, with Colwell, I, it would be that I don't think he's a proper a proper left-back, although yeah. I do think he's been doing a good job there. Um, uh, I mean, Cucurello also did very well when Colwell was out, but I just think he'll go for Colwell because I think Colwell's his first choice there. But there you go. Um, Mark, what, what do you think about my... Uh, the other two areas, having Palmer instead of Leslie in midfield and and, and putting Brozier in for Jackson, although I am prepared to retract on that because I do think that Jackson did all right. <laughs> um, I think he will start with Jackson. Yeah, I think he will too. I'm, 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 I'm with Dan. I think Brozier is definitely... He, he's using Brozier really well. And Brozier has... 
you know, made an impact in the games he has brought it brought him on. I would 100% play Palmer up at Old Trafford. It's a big pitch, the space. I think he will revel in it. I would play Cucurella instead of Colwell from the team you've selected. And I would anticipate Bizarre beside Silver. And you've got to play Silver at Old Trafford. And it's more likely to rest him at Everton at the weekend. And logically speaking, he would probably, as he is the club captain, bring James back in. Question I was going to ask is Gusto. Um, he's not injured, is he? Yeah, you know, he's injured he? two weeks. Oh, he's injured. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah. So definitely, definitely James is back. Definitely out. Yeah, if Gusto's out, James is definitely back in. So it'd be, it'd be James at fullback. I think Dizazi, Silva, Cucurella, Casado, Fernandez, Palmer, Sterling, Jackson, Woodrick. The only curveball because yeah, he's prone to doing a sort of surprise Pochettino and it is up at Manchester United, is whether he, he might start tight at first uh, and he might keep um, Dezazi at right back. I'm being really rogue here. Keep Dezazi at right back and keep that bad shield silver and play James in midfield and have Mudrick on the bench and just have Sterling and Jackson up top and then change it for the second half and bring, bring Mudrick on for his pace. Because as you say, United have got a bit of pace as well. So, you would have Dizazi and James on the right-hand side because I think they've got uh, Anthony go go down that wing. But logically speaking, you know, it would be James, it would be Dizazi, it would be Silva, it would be Cucurella and Palmer, Casado and Fernandes in midfield. I mean, We shall see. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything against Dizazi because I think he's been good, but I think Badia Shield for me is clearly a better defender. He's a better player, period. So I, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see when Poch realises that. Yeah, it's it's the challenge of the manager. I I, I don't think Dizazi has done a bad no, job. Whether he's, he's not he's not a right back. He's done a good job at right back. I think he's a tower at centre back. But I thought Badia Shield last season and the games he played this season, he looks like a really really good player. Yeah. I I like that Badia Shield. I think he's a really good player, and that's the headache of being a manager when you've got all your your players fit. Dan. Well, I quite desire is an absolute unit, the size of him. He's yeah, just a yeah, big, yeah, big, yeah. solid kind of like, you know, French Mickey Joy. He's massive. Yeah, we haven't had anyone since that size and nature since Mickey Joy played for us. Mm. Okay, well, I don't think Badia Shields that, that short, but there you go. Um, no, no, he's, he's tall. He's tall. Badia Shields is a tall player. But, as Dan said, Desarzi is a massive, he's a yeah. unit of a player. He's as, he's yeah, as, yeah. He's as wide as he is tall. Yeah, I imagine trying to tackle him in training. He'd probably just bounce yeah, off him. No, he's, yeah, no, he's a unit. No, I like him. He's done yeah. all right. I like uh, him. I like him a lot. <clears throat> so there we go. We'll find out at about quarter past seven on Wednesday night whether I'm talking out of my arse or not. I think we all know the answer to that. It's uh, pretty obvious. The interesting thing about this game, I mean, United are... Um, well, I've lost my place, of course. Um, we're 10th, I can tell you, uh, thanks to beating the mighty uh, Brighton. Uh, we've beaten the side above us as well. Apart from that, it was the second home win of the season as well, by the way. Uh, but we beat a side that was above us, which is very unusual for us. But we're sitting in 10th. Man United are on 7th, and they are a mere a mere five points ahead of us. Now, if you follow the sports media, like me and Dan and Mark, I suspect you would be thinking that we should go up there on Wednesday night and absolutely hammer United because it's probably the worst United we've seen in our lifetimes. Uh, they've been hopeless all season. 
Ten Hag's lost the dressing room. Rashford looks like he wants to, wants to be out. They've got Harry Maguire playing in defence. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, the club, the Glazers, they hate the Glazers. The ownership's fucked. Uh, Radcliffe, Radcliffe's coming in next week, apparently, to queer the pitch rather than solve the problem, I think. So, you know, it, it's, this is awful. And yet, here we are, and Man United are in seventh, and they've won eight. Sorry, they're in seventh, they've won eight, and they've lost six. And actually, I, I looked at the Prem predictions today, which has a funny little... Uh, oh, by the way, people, if you're in the Prem predictions league... Get your bloody predictions in because the, all the weekly matches, there's a whole new week for the midweek matches, all right? So don't forget, you've got to do them before kickoff on Tuesday night. And uh, Dan is the, now, this is a very opportune moment for me to say that I am no longer the top fan caster because Dan has jumped above me, you little bastard. It's a fucking fluke. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be really honest, Dan, it's been a fucking fluke that I've been on page one for most of this season, yeah. so I know what you mean. So there we go. Anyway, where was I? Right, yeah, on the on the predictions website, they have a, a form guide for you. So they give you the, the last four matches, what the results were for each team in a league table, uh, how many points they've got and how many goals they've scored. I was amazed to find out that Chelsea are fifth in the form table, according to Prem Predictions. Guess where United are? They're third. So no matter how utterly, utterly shit you think they are at the moment, and I happen to do so, uh, their last uh, few were, uh, I think they won three. And, and, and hang on, where are we? We've only, they lost against Newcastle, where they, I think they they got done by a very good Newcastle side, as we know. Uh, they beat Everton, they beat Luton, and I think they won their previous Premier League match. So they're not quite as bad as everybody's portraying them, or are they? I mean, they lost to Copenhagen. They're having a terrible Champions League uh, um, season. They're bottom of their group. So I mean, I think it's really hard. It's very tempting to say, ah, uh, we're playing United and they're really, really shitting at the moment. They're, they're in a worse state than us. But I don't think it's that simple, Dan. I really don't. I think beware the wounded hill, wildebeest here. I don't think they're doing as bad as people think they are. I think they're, they're kind of getting some results. Champions League, they've been utterly shy. But in the, in the Prem, they do eke out results. I know they lost to Newcastle last last week yeah. but they're kind of get, getting the odd results I mean, they're, they're shithousing they're not playing well but they're getting results yeah. Champions League got awful but you know according to the media Ten Hogs lost half the dressing room so listen who knows you know the stadium of rust who knows what's going to happen tomorrow it's very you know I think it is a hard one to call but I mean Mark what, yeah. do, you, what, do, you, what do you reckon I mean should we be, be wary of them no I don't think we should be wary of them I, I think um been saying this for many, many years now that this is the worst Manchester United team because yeah. clearly, you know, you go, you go back to 10, 15, 25 years ago under Ferguson, they were they were phenomenal. But yet, during that Ferguson period, we had a phenomenal record at Old Trafford. Where in the last what ten years, well, Old Trafford, you say that, Mark, you say yeah. that. Yeah. Um, for a start, uh. Yeah. Man United have lost one of the last 13 head-to-heads against Chelsea, period. Uh, at old, at a, well, no, period, actually. Um, yeah. And, uh, and of course, there was the old... You see, this is the thing. This is why I print out... I've, I've got every Premier League match we've played at Old Trafford, right? Mm. Now, overall against United, it, it, you know, throughout history, we won 55, home and away, this is, drawn 56, lost 82. At Old Trafford... In the Premier League, we've won six, drawn 13, and lost 12. 
Now, you, like me, I think, going back to the halcyon days of when we would always beat United under Hoddle, and, I, and one likes to think it went on until fairly recently, but actually the truth of the matter is it didn't. I mean, we haven't won there since 2013, since when we've drawn one, two, three, four, five, six times and lost four times. But that period that we're talking about, when we used to always do well up there, really went from 94 to 2001, where we only lost uh, once. And we won one, two, we lost yeah. one, two and drew the rest. So, you know, in, in the, in the, it, weirdly, in the Roman Abramovich era, it was very mixed. I mean, you know, from 2000 and let's say so Roman took over <clears throat> 2003. We lost one, two, three, four, five, six, six, and that's up to 2011. And uh, we won uh, one, two, two. So you know, I think I think it, it, it's not there was the period when you would have expected us to do very very well up there. We didn't actually do very well up there. And recently, as I said, we haven't won since 2013. But there've been an absolute plethora of draws. But we've been humped twice: four nil under Frank, his first game. And four one last May, which was also Frank. So, you know, it's 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 not been a happy hunting ground recently, actually, Mark. No, that's as I was gonna say. I, I thought we haven't won in the last ten years, and I, I, I'm going back. Like the first time I ever went to Old Trafford was um, first season back from second visit eighty four eighty five when Mickey Thomas scored and won all draw, and then we had a period after that where we we did go up and win quite frequently there other than the debacle in the FA Cup when John Hollands was manager. I think it was another game we lost up there. So we had a good period in the late 80s, like early 90s, pre-Hoddle, when we were doing well at Old Trafford. And then we won up there on the Glen Hoddle. And we had that period, as you say, almost end of um, previous regime and, pre- uh, and the early part of Rome where we were doing well again. But in the last 10 years, we've been poor up there when there's been some really poor Manchester United teams. And... Why, why I'm optimistic, actually, about, about Wednesday is it's a bit like why I felt about playing Brighton yesterday. I, I watched the United-Copenhagen game and I watched the Galatasaray game. They're very good, actually, going forward, but they're rubbish at the back. They play open at the back. They, they don't, again, they're Manchester United. They don't park the bus. They don't do low blocks. They're Manchester United. Uh, the Galatasaray... We're Man United. We do what we want. Yeah. But the Galatasaray game was just bonkers. It was just, it was like, it was like being back at school, like jumping to the goalpost and that goal, next goal wins. They're Manchester United at home. They, 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 they will come out, of, they'll come out and play, and we play football as well. And I think we play better against those type of teams in the Premier League. So, if there was a chance to break that ten-year run of not winning at Old Trafford. I put the. I'm more optimistic about beating Manchester United on Wednesday than getting a bloody result at Goodison Park at the weekend. Well, me too, because that is a bogey ground and then some. I mean, yeah. weirdly, uh, I don't think. Uh, well, I found a really weird statistic, which I, I've now lost, of course, in true Chidge style. Um, yeah, here we go. Man United have yet to uh, win a Premier League point point this season against a side currently sitting in the top ten. And we qualify because we're in 10th. So that's interesting. But there's some other kind of wonderful, random, weird, shitty stats for me to bore you with. Uh, the other one being Raheem Sterling has yet to score in an astonishing, it says here, astonishing 24 personal head-to-heads against Man United. 
So you're kidding? No, I'm not. So I lump on Raza to score. Uh, and he's Man- never scored. He's never scored. Well, he said in 24 personal head-to-heads, he's he's not scored against them. So he's never scored against United. Blimey! Blimey! That's what. That's worth a punt. It's worth it? a punt. Put your money on Sterling. Razor to score. Put your money on it. <clears throat> I thought he played well on uh, Sunday, by the way. We didn't really mention him earlier on. I thought he did all right. Right. Uh, and here we go. This is, a, this is a really bizarro stat. Man United are yet to lead a Premier League home game at half-time this season, while Chelsea haven't been behind in a Premier League game at any venue at the interval. Half-time, Man United won Chelsea now. Well, it could be, couldn't it? Yeah. That's what Chelsea, Charity FC, that's what we do. That, that's Put your money on 1-0. You can do a half-time bet, can't you? So there you yeah. go. Um, so there we go. I mean, our form is pretty good recently, as I said. Uh, we've won uh, one three, drawn one, and uh, lost one. We lost to Newcastle. Uh, and Man United have uh, lost two to Newcastle and Copenhagen. One against Everton, Luton, and uh, drew against Galatasaray. So there you go. Now, um, there was something else I wanted to ask you boys, but I've completely forgotten what it was. And I've also remembered that uh, I haven't uh, I haven't actually printed out the they played for both. So I'm going to have to go and find that in a minute. But in the meantime, there's a, there was a point I wanted to make, really, which is get United out of the way. Uh, and our, our December fixtures before the FA Cup look quite interesting because we've got Sheffield United, we've got Everton away, although we know that's a real bogey game for us Sheffield United at home Wolves away uh, Palace at home Luton away so I mean I you have to say five winnable games I mean there's a chance for us here to go on a bit of a run surely to God Dan well Sheffield United just sacked the manager so they're going to bring in Chris Wilder back yeah that that'd be a very me. low block yeah very low block you know play against a low block listen if we want to be getting back to our best we have to be beating these teams we have to really get pretty much you know Everton you take a draw given their their position you want at least four wins from those games I think and we should be winning those four games we want to get back to where we were four wins nothing less at all but listen who knows we'll probably draw nil nil with Sheffield United I mean, played 10 men behind the ball. I, I think the reality is is that we don't have a fucking Scooby because you just don't know what... I mean, I mean, one, one thing we could have said earlier to summarise Chelsea is that they're schizophrenic, really. So you just don't know. But Mark, what do you reckon? That's a good theory there. We've got five winnable games here. We could go on a bit of a run. That's what we need. We haven't been on a run for a long time. <laughs> Didn't we have this conversation back in September? Yes. When we said, oh, we've got Nottingham Forest at home. We've got um, Aston Villa at home. We've got Burnley. We've got Fulham. Uh, we can go on a bit of a run, and we we haven't yet gone on a run yet this season. Let, let's wait. Let's wait and see what happens. The trouble is, we start making these predictions, they blow up in our face. And historically, in the history of Chelsea Football Club, we've had many a mother of all December's. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna time for your predictions then, uh, Mark. What are you going to go for? I'd gone for two two. In- Prem predictions, uh, but I think we can might sneak it through too. I think there'll be goals in this game. Yeah, I got a feeling too. Actually, I was going to go for a Desmond. Uh, I haven't done my Prem predictions yet. Uh, we should ask the leader, the top Chelsea fancaster in the Prem predictions league, what his prediction is. Really, shouldn't we? I think we're going to turn on and we're going to win two one. Okay, you've gone for for the Pat and Evan approach, then hedging your bets. Yeah, yes. I think we'll win two one. I think we'll. I think we should have enough for them. They're, they're 
clusterfuck. Everything's going on with the Glazers and Jim Ratcliffe and Ten Hag is in the dressing room. I think we'll win 2-1. Mm, okay. Well, I think I'm going to stick with my 2-2. Uh, in, ho- in 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 well, I'm going to stick with that because that's what I've actually done on the prem prediction. So there you go. Uh, we shall see. Um, be lovely to beat them up there because, as as we know, it's been a bloody long time. Now, just to round up the show, there are 28 players who have re- marks. I see. I, this is why I can't believe I didn't print it out because I couldn't not do this. Now we've got Mark on because he's probably the only one of us who will actually get the majority right. Uh, so not not anyone's played in 1926 I want well indeed yeah. and I don't have Nathan to tell us who the players we haven't got Scooby who they are because he yeah. didn't know he was going to going to do this tonight but anyway there are 28 players who have represented both Chelsea and Man United during their careers off you go Tommy Baldwin yes Ray Mal Donaghy well, well not not the same time but Mal Donaghy yeah. and Ray Wilkins yes yeah Mason Mount yes obviously um, Matic. Yes. Matter. Yes. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, it's not as easy as you think. Yeah, oh, one, one, uh, Sebastian, one Sebastian Verón. Yes, Dan, that's a good one, oh, Dan. Oh, well, that's a good one. Uh, da, 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 da. Lukaku. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Who's it got? Uh, Alex Stepney. Yes, Dan. Fucking hell, mate. Very good, fire. Dan. Very, very good. Mark Hughes. Yes. Yeah. Do you count friendlies? Well, I don't know, mate. Why? I was going to say George Best. Did he put a Chelsea show? No, no. Best is not on there. I see what you mean there, but no, he's not on there. There's some really obvious ones. George George Graham. Yes, very good. Yeah. Uh, God, I think. How many more... and we've got so far. I don't know about. I don't know. I'm not being counting. Not enough. All right. Not <laughs> enough. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> How did you say it was? Twenty. Twenty-eight. Oh, oh. Um, what's the guy we had on loan? Um, Radamel Falcao. Yes, Dan. So oh, yes, I'll, Dan, do a, I'll do a count for you while you're you're thinking about things. So you've got mm. Mason Mount, Falcao, Mata, Lukaku, Matic, Varon, Paul Parker, Paul Parker. Oh, great shout! Alex Stepney. Yeah. George Graham, Mark Hughes, 10 you've got so far. And how many were there? 28. And now, are there any from the 1940s? And, uh... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Mark Bosnich. Yes, well done. That's 11. There are yeah. probably 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8... Nine, nine on there who I haven't a fucking clue who they are. Ah, so if okay. you get if you yeah. get nineteen, you've done very well. Okay, let's think. Let's think. Uh, what kind of? Can you give us a clue for eras? No, because I don't know. I don't. It doesn't say. It doesn't tell me. Oh. Apart from the ones I know, the others I've got no idea. Do, 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 do. Jim McCallion. Jim McCallion. Yeah. What did you say, Dan? Yeah. I'm trying to think. It must going back to like 70s, 60s, 50s. Then I'd imagine. No, it, go, it goes back to the day we started, mate. That's the trouble. Those, those are the nine that you won't oh, get. But you should I, definitely we... get at least one, two, three, uh, four, five. There's five. Thank, fa- thank you, Blunstone didn't play for Man no, United. There's, I know five, there's five on there that you will kick yourself for not getting. And one yeah. who's recent that you'll go, oh, fucking hell, so he did. 
yeah, you, you picked up um, matter. Yeah, we got yep. that one. Yeah, uh, Raj Almighty. Are you struggling? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. I shall give you thirty seconds, starting from now. Hmm. This is going to be a lot of dead air radio. Oh, well, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Think. Who's got this play for small? How recent was one we go kick ourselves? Very How recently recent. was he? Played played for us. Well, he didn't play for us much, but he was around about two years ago. Loan or perm? No, he was he was permanent. And you've got five, four, oh, three, God. two, one. Timed out. Right. Here's who you didn't get. You did say Bosnich, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Dan said Bosnich. Right. Ball. Tommy Baldwin. I said Tommy Baldwin. Did you? Okay, I'll let you. That was the first one I said. Tommy Baldwin. Stan Crowther. Now I want to got Stan Crowther. Harold Hulse. <laughs> no idea either. Stuart <laughs> Houston. Stuart Houston. Oh, bloody hell. Stuart Houston. Yeah. Yes, yes. George yeah. Hunter. No idea. No. Mate, yeah. your dad played for United. Tommy Meehan. Oh, I should have got that one. Yes, <laughs> Tommy Meehan. Yeah. yeah. No, I should have got that one. No idea, yeah. mate. No idea. Graham Moore. Yeah, yeah. No idea. Uh, you said. JK would have got. JK would have got Graham Moore. Yeah. Well, okay. Paul Parker, you got. Mike yeah. Pinner. No idea. No, Mike Pinner, goalkeeper. Yeah, Peter Peter Proudfoot. Nope. Uh, James Saunders. Nope. You are going to kick yourself for this. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey Thomas. Oh, oh definitely, God. definitely. Jeez. Own goal. I mean, we one, only yeah. saw him about a month we only, ago. We only saw him the other week. Yes. Jimmy yes. Turnbull. Mm-hmm. Colin Waldron. Colin Waldron played for Man United. Yeah. Right. Uh, I know he played for Burnley. Yeah. Some some bloke called Ray Wilkins. Oh, that's a terrible one. Yeah. That that's sackable <laughs> offence, mate. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, Didn't Dan say Ray Wilkins? No. I yeah, I, I, no, no, no. I thought I did. No. Yeah. Early on. No, I I thought, oh. uh, and the last one, the one I was talking to you about, Dan, Danny Drinkwater. Yeah. Oh fuck! Shit! Yeah. yeah of course. See what I mean? Man United youth, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So oh. there you go. So you got about I don't know fifteen. That's not a bad effort. It's better than better than JK does. That's for sure. You know. So there we go. Now the funny thing is, I listened to this in the car. Uh, I listened to Friday's show in the car going up on Sunday, and when it got to they played for both, I just thought this is terrible. It's just like you know two blokes not having a fucking Scooby and a lot of dead air. This is terrible radio. At which point I made the decision, the executive decision, we're keeping it in. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. It's, no, it's I know. Cause it gets, yeah. No, it's because it really gets you get you gets you thinking, and you because like and then uh, then like we sh- we should have got Ray Wilkins and Vicky Thomas. That is that is a school schoolboy era. That yeah. I'm keeping it in because I'm keeping it in because I think people can play it at home. So it might sound like shit radio, but you can play it at home. All right. Sorry, Dan. You say. I say the other one will be interesting. There'll be a couple of like very random ones, won't there? For that one, uh, there Graham will. Stewart. There, yeah, there will, yeah. there will. No, no, don't give the game away quite yet. We've got a whole no, week for that. Oh, okay. No, fair enough. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, that is all we've got time for for tonight. Uh, JK will be back with me on Friday to look back at the match against Man United and ahead to Everton versus Chelsea on Saturday. And we will be joined by Martin Wickham. So make sure you come and join us at the usual time of half past seven. Now, there's 
There is an in-off-the-post imminent. It probably won't be this week because the Man United game is kind of getting in the way and I'm busy on Thursday night and uh, Tuesday night. So, And obviously we're doing a show on Friday night. So uh, we'll have to wait till next week for that one. There's no game. Oh, there is. Hang on. When's the, when's the Newcastle game? No, not the... The 18th. Yeah, got... So, yeah, ne- next week we'll yeah. be all right. So there we go. So if you do, you know, send a few emails in and we'll have a big, big bumper one like we did... Uh, Last time round, uh, might even be a two-parter. Who knows? So email to chelseafancast at gmail.com. I mean, you can send them in via Patreon, Instagram, uh, well, however you want, really, but email seems to be people's preferred method of doing so. So there you go. You can follow the show uh, on all the social media at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chish, Dan at DanSilves73, and Mark at EddieMacBAWA. So there you go. Uh, Mark, love, I mean, again, thank you so much for yesterday. You were an absolute superstar, and it was great, great to see you, of course. Lovely to see you tonight. Uh, let's hope we do the Manx on Wednesday, and uh, I'll see you soon. Yeah, definitely see you soon. Um, you, uh, you're not doing therapy next week, are you, in London? No, that's why I went to see him in Portsmouth, because I knew I yeah. knew I couldn't do it in, in London. Uh, they were so great. Chef was, they were great. So Sheffield United but, game. Yeah, I'll probably see it at Sheffield yeah, United well, you, you will next see, time I see def, Definitely see but, if Chef Wed. But my people will no doubt talk to your people. In, indeed in they will. We, we, will, we yeah. will be in touch. Andy yeah. was on great form yeah. at, uh, um, at Portsmouth on, on uh, Friday. They were They were superb. And he he did a lovely dedication to uh, to Geordie, and played the weight, and uh, he name checked me, which I thought was very sweet of him. Actually, oh, but, uh, that's very sweet. And I think I think I sent you the video of it, didn't I, I? I sent you the video of it. You, you did, you did indeed. I think I think they um, the last night or the night before they name checked Shane McGowan as well. So yes, nice they touch. did. No, they did a bit of Sally McLennan on uh, on the, the gig, which was good. Oh, Sally Sally McLennan's a great great track. Yeah. yeah, it is. They did a bit of that, and then they went into uh, to. Uh, What's it called? Potato. A potato junkie. Potato junkie. That's right. So there yeah, we go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, enough waffle. Andy, uh, lovely to see you last Friday, mate. Thank you for your huge generosity and all-round loveliness, by the way, and good luck for the rest of the tour. Uh, Dan, great to see you, mate, as always. That's yeah, good to be on. Okay. Yeah. Talking about a win for a change. So happy yeah. Days, yeah. yeah, lovely. And I'll uh, I'll see you soon too, I hope. Uh, hopefully yeah, uh, in, the, in the cock for Sheffield United. I'll be there by and early. I might be getting the train that day. Ooh. But I'm not, I am, I'm not going to drink as much as I did last time. I won't let you. Yeah, wink, right. Wink. No, I was far <laughs> too battered last time, and I'm not doing well, that again. Well, well, well actually, while, while I'm on, I mentioned it, like the Sheffield United game, if people are listening in, that'll be the next of, like, Chelsea Supporters Trust, Chelsea Heritage Partnership, um, Heritage Events. Um, so we'll be sort of commemorating games between Chelsea and Sheffield United of days gone by with the support of the club and the Chelsea Museum and we might have a uh, might have a surprise guest yeah we'll wait and see what might happen between now and then it won't be Vinnie Jones though it's well it won't be Vinnie Jones I can safely say that yes because that'd be a shame yeah. well, he, he, he for the fastest yellow card ever given in a match yeah <laughs> remember it well Nathan has just whatsapped me yeah, he, he said he sent you the details of the players that played for both this afternoon. Did he? Why do I? He said, "Why do I bother?" I, well, I, I have to say, Nathan, you have you have shamed me and done me like a kipper, for which I thank you, uh, and I'm very impressed, mate, because I I didn't think you would have figured out that we would be previewing the United match tonight, but you're much cleverer than I than I give anybody credit for, and I apologise for not looking at Twitter. I've been preoccupied this afternoon. 
Uh, but I should have should have realised that uh, our audience are far cleverer than the idiot that writes the show. That would be me. What a lovely way to end the show. <laughs> By the way, good to see you <laughs> yesterday, Nathan, at the uh, the Troubadour. Right, that's enough from us. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening. See you on Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 